Tetra was the first site that we introduced the infinite adjust system on the front end. With previous sites, we had what we call a hopscotch or plug and play type of scope housing, where you had to bolt the scope housing to the frame to find the correct location. The Tetra changed that with the infinite adjust system. So now, when you sight in your 20 yard mark, you can really fine tune by sliding the whole scope housing up and down in this channel system. That's probably one of the biggest features to the Tetra. Another key feature of the Tetra is Ninja Star yardage wheel. Getting a better hold on the yardage wheel, especially when you're hunting and you have heavier gloves on. The Tetra does have 100 yard capabilities with the yardage tape and that's to the yard. A couple other key features of the Tetra is you get both third and second axis for even more precision. But one of the key features as far as looks goes is we've updated the front end or the housing of the Tetra. So now you have a brighter, larger uh, scope ring which helps with peep alignment as well as a built-in scope level which is just more secure. The Tetra is available in a fixed frame bracket with, with three different mounting locations as well as a dovetail or tournament edition uh, so you can adjust the distance that the scope housing is away from your bow and the Tetra is also available in three different scope housing sizes. You get an inch and five eighths, an inch and three quarter, as well as a new four pin multiple pin head. All the heads are interchangeable. All the Tetras are compatible with any of our accessories. For more information, you can visit our website at www.hhasports.com. Hello, we're at the BATA show at uh, Veteran Innovative Products, uh, an all-American made and manufactured broadhead. So we've got a new one for 2020 called the Combat Veteran 4-Blade. As you can see, 4-Blades got a lot of the same high-quality materials we use with our original 2-Blade Veteran, but the Combat Veteran has a different deployment system. How it deploys is you just squeeze a little bit on your main blades, okay, those compress, and then the broadhead opens. It still has our momentum management compressible blade technology. So the cutting diameter is inch and a quarter by two inches on this when deployed. Uh, in flight, it's one inch by inch and a quarter. Another feature we added this year with these heads uh, is that you can exchange the bone breaching field point tip with a 125 grain setup if you would like. So swap the tip out, get you 125 grains instead of 100, which is big with those Western hunters. And then it's really simple to lock back in place, roll those blades up, and then it's a click and another click on the other side. It's completely set in, will not prematurely deploy, will not rattle free, solid containment, 100% deployment every time. So we've made a lot of good adjustments and refinements to it to make sure that it's guaranteed to deploy every single time. So that's what's new for VIP this year. The way Bitcoin came about seems, it seems like a story that's virtually impossible to believe. You, you can't, you can't, you couldn't make it up. Right, so this unknown engineer, Satoshi, anonymous, created this, came up with this idea that no one else had ever had, implemented it online, anonymized it, and then vanished, essentially without a trace. I mean, how much do people know about him? Are, are we sure he's who invented it? And what the hell was he up to? And why did this happen? And why should an outsider believe any of this because it, it does seem like the plot of a bad science fiction novel <laughs> the I, I will confess that I, I did used to think about a 
this in similar terms. So um, I think, you know, that's ultimately what, um, in a sense, is kind of bad press for Bitcoin. But like a lot of things about Bitcoin, it actually ends up being illustrating its strength. Yes, this thing has a story that, you know, a PR person would tell you, just don't bother, you know, start doing something else with your life rather than try and sell this thing. And it doesn't need anybody to sell it. That's kind of the point. It doesn't have a story. It doesn't have a PR person. And the fact that it has this kind of ugly story where this person just came in and disappeared and who knows what happened. Nobody really knows. You know, maybe he died. Maybe he um, has other things to keep him busy. Um, Maybe he's incapacitated in some way. But ultimately, it doesn't matter because even if he were to come back today, he has no ability to control the network any more than you and I can control it. You know, he can control the code that he runs on his computer. But at this point, the project has worked 10 years without him. So there's no reason why anybody in Bitcoin is going to defer to his judgment um, if he were to come back. But besides this, you know, I think the, the, the key point is that it works regardless of whether this person is part of it or not. All right, folks. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Bucks of America podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Vance, and tonight is a special one. This is actually my first podcast in studio in a long time because I used to live in this small two-bedroom apartment. Now I'm actually living in a 1,400-square-foot home, which actually has plenty of room to stretch out, or before it was very small. And this is my first in-house guest since, uh, every, well, everybody knows that I don't care about the pandemic, so here we are. Now, my uh, guest for this evening is Brady Malone. Now, him and I go back several years now, and it's like, he is just a downright awesome dude, and we're going to be able to bounce around to a lot of different topics that some folks may not be aware of yet. But we're going to focus a little bit today on our our relationship, how we how we met, how our, we have a friend in common, and, we, and our love for fishing. And we're even going to talk about the uh, podcast with Doctor Co- or Captain Cody Luke's. That was the captain of the Wet Dream Sports Fishing Charter that we went on back in September. So it's, this is going to be a fun thing to talk about. And he's also the a recent pandemic survivor, so we're going to actually talk about a little bit of everything here. So anyways, everybody, uh, put your tinfoil hats on because this is going to be a fun one. So Brady, I'm going to let you take over and why don't you talk about yourself. Talk about fishing, man. First of all, I just want to say thank you for having me on here, Jeff. And yeah, I mean, fishing. I started out real young. I was uh, going out with my uncle all the time on the lakes actually up in Wisconsin. So we had a cabin on the lake that we'd rent out every single year up near the Eagle River, Wisconsin area. Okay. Pretty prominent. I know probably quite a few people have probably been up that way. Or I'm assuming haven't. so. I mean, this there's a lot of listeners from the podcast that live here in Wisconsin, so they're going to relate to that. Oh, yeah. No, so... Uh, Eagle River, Wisconsin. We kind of fished all of those lakes around there. There are quite a few of them up there. Um, we always rented out a cabin every week in the summer, and that's really how I started getting into fishing. And then, of course, we live right on the Mississippi River. So oh, we're, we're, we, we're pretty lucky. We have the best access to fish in the country almost, I, mm-hmm. I would argue. I would, I would put that up there next to one. So um, it's been awesome to just kind of go out like pier fishing every summer. I mean, this has been all I've been doing every summer for the last maybe 10, 15 years. Of, yeah. You know, just been fishing the, the shorelines over by Onalaska and La Crosse, mm-hmm. Wisconsin. So, um, honestly lived up, grew up in La Crescent and fished over there as well, over on the Minnesota side. So it's always been kind of nice to do cross state fishing. And, um, it's just been something that 
I've always dealt with friends and we just kind of drink chill back and catch some fish, you know? That is so true. You know, and where our paths crossed was in, I think it was like 2018. We had a mutual friend, Mr. Uh, Cam Jones here and, and, and Cam and I've gone fishing an awful lot. And then like over the last year and a half, two years, like we've kind of drifted apart cause he's moved away, but we met on his <laughs> ex-girlfriend's parents houseboat on the yes. Mississippi <laughs> and we hit it off. We've been friends ever since. Yeah. Jeff, you've been one of like the coolest people I've just met out fishing. And then like, you know, Cam obviously is always fun to like hang out with too. And mm-hmm. yeah, well, like when we, when we started talking, um, you know, three years ago, four, I feel like it's longer than that. Four years ago. Now. I think so. Cause it's like, I was working, I just started working at, uh, let's see here. I just switched to my third supervisor and, and Cam was on my team and I heard him talk about bass fishing. Yeah. And so my ears, my, my spider <laughs> senses tingled and it's like, oh look God. over, it's like bass fishing. Like bass fishing, and we just started. Fit, we just started talking from there, and like there, I think it was the the spring of 2018 or 27. No, it's 2018. I didn't start working at LHI until 2017. Yeah. So 2018, like him and I, we probably fished that entire summer. We probably fished something like 120, 130 days that I entire was year. Say me, me and Cam were probably out every night that yeah. summer for probably you know like a hundred days. Like out of that entire summer. So just oh, every I know. Day or every day. And it's like he'd always he'd always hit me up. Say, hey, come on out. We're like uh, uh Brady's with me and it's like and he's got uh, Wilson's with me too it's like dude it's like I'm an adult so it's like I tend to like shut down when it gets close to dark it's like, like 10 at night and we'd be out there just like in a paddle boat yeah <laughs> we'd just be like fishing out the paddle oh boat did you ever did side. you ever hear that story about uh, Cam Wilson and me no so we were out oh, we were out on, on Kelly's um paddle boat there and it sprung a leak and we're we're a good 150 yards out from the dock and all of a sudden it's like like and it's like you got Wilson and I up front, and we're two big dudes here, and you have <laughs> yeah. Cam in the back. So way it had to work is like the water was coming in on Wilson's side of the paddle boat, and we managed to get ourselves to turn around because Cam was doing all the steering. And so what we ended up having to do is that we put all the weight in the back right horn, but oh back corner, my. so this way it kept that area up out of the water, and I had to paddle my <laughs> ass off. As soon as we got to the dock, I got off, and I just laid down because my <laughs> legs hurt so bad. Because it's like we just had to keep moving because I didn't want to chug water. Granted, the the the, the area is not very deep, but we're all in jeans, man. Yeah. And it's like you wear in jeans, it turns into uh, weights, like massive. Just you're not, you're just, you're yeah. just gonna hate life. Well, I mean, it's still like pretty flowy there too. Mm-hmm. Like there's quite a bit of water flow there. So yeah. like you know, there are a couple areas back there behind lily pads that were, by the way, really really good bass fishing. Oh yes. Um, and cat fishing late at night because I know we went out and did like paddle boat fishing and mm-hmm. we like we actually stabbed a sheep head once. Nice. Just like a, I don't know. I guess it was like a farmer's hoe. Mm-hmm. Um, that thing was about 20 pounds. Woo. It was yeah, they get massive. big. They get yeah, big. It was like 15, 20 pounds. And mm-hmm. you're I, like lifting that up with like a pitchfork yeah. in the middle of the night, you know? Oh, yeah. And, that's um, the nice thing about that particular fish. It's perfectly legal to do that in Mississippi. And I yeah. actually have some sheep head pickled are, in my fridge right now. Good. Mm-hmm. It's good. You're, it's good you're supposed to kill those things mm-hmm. like right away. You know, I remember leaving them out just on the rocks, like in the nearby, you know, like area. I'm just like, yeah, I don't want this fish in my lake anymore. Fish in my area anymore. So. Oh yeah, it's like people look the other way when it comes down to carp and Asian carp and bullheads Dude, and stuff like that. They eat everything here. Oh yes, they eat absolutely everything. And I'm Except pretty milfoil. sure. I'm pretty sure that's why river fishing here has gotten worse. 
over the last couple of years. Like I, I feel like I haven't caught as much. I yeah, it, it's it's no weird. data to back it up, but I feel yeah. it. Well, when when the Elite series from Bass Pro came through here back in 2018, 2019. Yeah. Um, yeah well, that that was right around. I think that was Memorial Day weekend or close to it in May. Uh, yeah, it had been after because uh, the the bass season doesn't open until after like the twentieth or something like that in the Mississippi. Yeah, and so it was that weekend right there, and they were having they were all the pro, pro fishermen, even um, KG Kevin Van Dam was having his own issues with fishing, but they were catching pike, uh, they were catching sheephead, they were catching um, snakehead too, yeah. or both fins, yeah. but and then on top of that, catching bass too as well. So it's like based off of what they were saying, the fishing was really good, but it's like they're they're, they're catching everything that they didn't want to catch. Yeah, no, and that's exactly like what it's probably come down to. Then, like I mm-hmm. said, like I, I really think that these like invasive species have really really taken a hit on the local ecosystem yes it has Um, i don't want to talk about it like i know it but i just feel it when i go out and fish like i I really only catch like a sheephead now and like the occasional Mm -hmm. like a silver carp and then like yeah you'll i mean i'll catch like a little bit of pike here and there but nothing too big anymore like i don't i don't feel like they've gotten as big as they used to and Uh a couple of walleye here now like i think this last summer i was out maybe maybe 50 or 60 days total right uh-huh. and um yeah I, I mean i was barely catching like i caught a lot of bluegill yeah <laughs> like they would just steal your bait and mm-hmm. take it <laughs> but you know pan fishing is fun too i don't have anything against like just not going for trophy fish yeah honestly pan fishing if you can go and grill them up it is a very very fun time i'll talk a little bit louder but um yeah uh, like this last couple years like i haven't really caught too much in the in the river here but mm-hmm. I'm still out there, you know. I still try to catch. Yeah, I know. Um, I'm the same about you are too, because like, 2020 was kind of a mediocre year, and even 2021 is kind of mediocre. But then we also like the the, the winter over 2020 into 2021 was nowhere near what 20 or 2019 was, because in 2019 yeah. or 2020 early that February we had no, it was 2019 when we had all that snow. We had uh, like 40 inches of snow in that one year or that one mm-hmm. month of February. Well, that turned to the next year, that that spring, just beautiful fishing. We, when you and I yeah. were fishing, we were catching everything from perch I to bluegill that, to yeah. bass to pike. I mean, well, even Jeff Koscheck was... caught a caught his personal best out there too. Really? Yeah, he he actually. Um, awesome. I was there when he when he reeled it in. It was like it was right in the, the day, and he was just casting this little red devil spinner, and last cast brought it in. And it, it, we measured it; came in like 38 in like a quarter inch and he actually got it mounted. He actually has it mounted in his and like what we ended up having to do is we had to soak one of his uh, pant legs, get it with full soak <laughs> yeah. it. And we took it, we slid it in there. And then what he ended up doing is like, as it, well, as it suffocated, he put it in this freezer and froze it. And then he found a play guy over, I think it's up by Winona. He got it mounted. Yeah, there's a couple sh- of taxidermists yeah. up there. And then you, but the thing is when you do fish, you got to find some that's, that's, that that is their primary thing they do because there's people out there that there's taxidermists that do do fish but they're it's not their primary and it's like you don't do it just because you're getting a good deal yeah go to somebody that if you're if this is your personal best and you don't believe you're going to catch something bigger than that then go ahead and uh spend the extra money and find something i think he ended up paying like 16 bucks an inch which is still kind of expensive but you know but it's like not he took it bad yeah but he took it to somebody that actually knew what he was doing i think it came in just shy of like 700 bucks after having it all done it's all mounted but cam was telling me that if you go to koshchek's house it's just full of animals 
that he's that he's caught over the years. I don't years. think I've ever been up to his house. Neither I, have I. I know I've met him. So yeah. it's like, I don't know. It's funny that I've never been up that way. Yeah, but. Jeff's a good dude. He's been on my podcast, too. He's been on the podcast awesome. here a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, I know, like, mounting a fish is something that I want to do, but mm-hmm. I want to get a muskie, and I want it to be from, like, the Canada waters. Like the oh, okay. Waters. Yeah. Um, I haven't boundary watered fish in forever, mm-hmm. so since I was, like, three, four, five, I don't know. It was, it was really <laughs> young, so yeah. um, I got to go back up there, and I want to, you know, try to find a good boundary fish. Like, that would be something... Something on my bucket list that I haven't quite hit off the bucket. Yeah, there's. Yeah. I've seen YouTube videos where those guys are pulling in 55, close to 60 inch uh, uh, muskies. Man, it's like, and if you can get one, like I think the I think the world record's like 72 inches or something like that. Yeah, out it's of, like 77, I think. Oh, okay. I know. I know. I, it's like I just looked it up here earlier this year. I know lacrosses is pretty high because people have caught them here. Yeah, yeah. And over by like, the uh, where the Black River runs in and mixes with in with the Mississippi, it's yeah. right in that little interchange. They catch them right there. Yeah, there's there's so many section there. I know people have hit them. Um, like mm-hmm. sturgeon, people have caught here too. Yes, yes. And that is rare, but mm-hmm. it happens. And yes. Just the fact that it does happen makes me like. Maybe I can catch one here. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, maybe just get lucky. Last cast of the day, you know, pulling that trophy. Well, over here in the Nashonic over by West Salem here, it's like you go below the dam there and it's like you can catch um, sturgeon down there, pike and muskies down there, which you wouldn't think would be in that little area, but you can catch them right in there if they're they're hitting. I was talking to a guy that's been fishing here, I don't know, 25 years or something here a few weeks back. Mm-hmm. And he was telling me, it's like, yeah, you just got to hit the right time of the year when the fish are moving and when they're spawning. Yeah. And that's where you're going to have an opportunity to get you a big it's one. It's like April and May. Um, I remember like working up here and it was like, uh, so I like work actually like right over there, right? Like two blocks away from your house. I used yeah. to work up here. Um, and every lunch period, I would go down to Lake Masonic, and there's like a drive kind of behind the high school. Yes, yeah, yeah. You can kind of just like take off your, of Mark Street. Yeah, yeah. kind of winds back there. And there's a dock back there, mm-hmm. and I've, I've fished off of there quite a few times during lunch break, and I, I've caught some stuff. Like I've caught, you know, a couple bluegills here and there, and then a couple pikes. So they oh, definitely nice. are out there. Um, yeah. They're hiding. They're hiding for sure, but. Um, I got to go to that bridge because I know you had talked about that place mm-hmm. before and I've just never been back up for it. Oh, yeah, that's where, and like, even right now, and it being November, you could probably go out there and find walleye. Yeah. Walleye and, and probably some uh, uh, perch, possibly, possibly too, and some pike oh, if yeah. they're heading. Um, I know, like, uh, there's a friend of mine that I work with now. He caught a sturgeon here. Oh, I think back in 2017, and it was came in like 45 inches long. And it took him 45 minutes to bring it up. And he's just in a canoe. Wow. Yeah. yeah I, would tip, a, I would tip if I was in there. Oh, and, the, and this dude stands 6'5". 6'5 oh, in a boy. canoe. I'm 6'2". Yeah. <laughs> big boy. Yeah. Well, I feel really bad, Jeff, because last time we went out fishing two months ago, we mm-hmm. went up to uh, Kiwani. Kiwani. Yeah. And you did not get to reel in a fish that night. No, that I did not. But it was a lot of fun, though. It's like, I, it's one of those things where it's like, it was more of the experience. And, and uh, you know, the biggest thing was is that we didn't listen to uh, what was uh, Cody's deckhand? Uh, was it Dan? John? No. What was his Josh? name? No, we have a lot of those. Yeah, we have a lot of Josh's. <laughs> Everybody's Josh or Nate or Matt. <laughs> that is so true. That seems to be been a very popular name back in the eighties. Yeah, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, man. Yeah, I was talking to to Nate, and he's he's been kind of busy with his own world. 
So that I oh yeah, I haven't. Um, I actually don't. It's like I, I know his. I think it's Ben. I think was it was. Well, it doesn't really matter. But anyways, but we didn't listen to him, and it's like we should have just had him hand yeah. off the the polls and stuff like because he knows because like what we were doing is we we're just grabbing out and acting like like if we're catching a pike or a bass. Yeah. And it's like it's a whole different jaw structure. It's a different set. that. Yeah, exactly. And it's I, I told Cody that that we all had a lot of fun and stuff like that, and we we, we were out there. For 14 hours. It was a fun day. Like, yeah, I'm not going to debate that at all. Like, I know I was kind of seasick early on in the mm-hmm. day because I, had, I hadn't been out on a boat in forever. Like, especially not that far from shore. But um, I drank coffee that morning, so that probably was a mistake. But um, okay. anyways, I, once I got on the edge of that boat and, like, kind of horizon sat for a mm-hmm. long time, mm-hmm. just fun time all the way across the board. Like, yeah. I know we weren't catching anything. Like, I mean, uh-huh. it was... I think we didn't even catch a fish until 5 p.m. No, it was like 2 o'clock is when... Oh, yeah, yeah. ...is when uh, Doug, Doug caught his. Doug got one. Yeah. yeah, Doug pulled one in early. Uh, it, was, a, it was like 22 or 25-pound uh, king salmon. Yep, yeah, he caught the first king. Um, then we caught a Soho. No, no, it was... It, Nate caught it. It was actually another king. It was just a smaller one. Oh, really? Yeah, okay, yeah. and I then you was, came in with yours. Yeah, my, my king was pretty big, but... <laughs> Um, I'm not going to sit here and say that I caught it because I feel like it was a group effort. So Yeah, it, it, um, it really was. When you're was. out in the charter boat, like, I mean, you know, they kind of just hand you the pole and they're like, hey, we got one, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. But that's one of the things that there was the learning curve is like, because like, they asked us, do you want us to hand us or not? And like, we all assumed that we could all do it. We we, we, we oh. had an assumption we thought we could do it, but it's like yeah. none of us had any experience with it except for Nate. And then still, even with him, it's like he was, he was, he was on, on the rod three times yeah. and lost two of the three. Yeah, because Doug had one that missed two, mm-hmm. and then the second one hit pretty good. Yeah, that took and 10 minutes to reel that bad boy in. I was going to say, mine took like 12 or 15. Yeah, I about 15 you, minutes. I think yeah. you filmed the entire thing, but imagine pulling that in on like a canoe. Or imagine, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, that was really fun, and I would do charter fishing again. That was mm-hmm. my first time ever doing it. I know, I know some friends who do it out in California. Yeah. And, you know, they eight, 10 miles out and they just fish all day, you know, and they, uh-huh. they come back with some, some pretty big fish, but I don't know what you catch out there, but, um, oh, know, well, the, out in California, salmon, you catch pretty rainbow, rainbow yeah. trout, maybe that kind of stuff. A lot of similar things. Cause I mean, a lot of the, a lot of those hatcheries are coming through Oregon and, uh, Washington through that area. Uh, but I was talking to Cody during our podcast and he was saying that he was been called out a couple of times to go out and rescue kayaks because they'd catch into a, a big 25 uh, pound pounder and it just all of a sudden just zoom yeah just out the wrong direction because it's like because what a lot of those kayakers will do they'll stay right in that channel uh, yeah. over there by kiwani just because it's it's safer and you don't have to worry about the big rolling waves well if you catch one that decides to run the wrong direction it's like have fun yeah you're going with it for sure those things are gonna drag oh yeah my um, dad's caught i think his biggest carp ever caught was like 30 pounds and then he had a flat bottom boat and that spun him around that took him around and he said that took about 45 minutes to reel it in now this guy is, is, is such my dad's such a good fisherman that he only uses like in between 8 to 12 pound test that's it that's all he uses and his, and his biggest pike was 48 <laughs> inches long and he reeled that he reeled that in on six pound test on a uh on a number six jig a pink or char- pink chartreuse one, and it just and it, on a minnow, you just hooked into it. I feel like every older fisherman uses eight to twelve pound test. I don't know why. I've heard that over and over again, and it. I think it's because of the line thickness. Maybe Could be. fish can see that. Or, yeah, yeah. You know, they can see the grain in the water, and maybe they just don't hit anything. But I've noticed that because even 
One of my friends growing up, his dad is a professional fisherman. His okay. Mr. Boudreaux, I guess his first name's Zach, but he's a, he's a semi-pro fisherman from mm-hmm. like Winona area. Okay. So not too far north. Does he participate in the, in the Huck kayak uh, or does he, do, does he go, does he actually go fishing with a boat? He goes fishing with a boat. Okay. So he's, he's, he, uh, he's sponsored. He gets a new boat every other year. Nice. Um, he's that it, good. That's, that's, that's expensive money. That's good. Yeah. That's, that's good level that, fishing because those boats are expensive. Good money, man. He, he gets like a 60 K worth boat every other year. Jeez. So pretty good boat, right? Like it's a pro bass fisherman boat pretty much. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah, he gets one every single year from, I don't know who he's sponsored by, but I wish I knew that. Could have been Skeeter, you know, a tracker. There's so many, there's so many boats out there. Yeah, no, there are quite a few companies out there, but I can ask his uh, son because I know him pretty well. Mm -hmm. Um, but growing up, like we used to take that boat out with him and, uh, he knew every single spot on the whole, like local river area right yeah everywhere through like pettybone uh-huh pretty much up to like on alaska area he knew okay like every single bass fishing spot nice and every time he went out he'd come back with a lot and then me and his son would come back with nothing because like he'd be <laughs> catching them all right and that was always fun but like yeah something about pro fishermen they can really do it somehow better i don't mm-hmm. know how they learn or it's, just, it's just like they dedicate themselves to it i mean spend a lot of time looking at topographical maps even even going back decades and stuff like that and also paying attention to flood lines and such and just they just that's that's the whole thing is like kind of like with um with like with me and, and bow hunting and and paintball markers <laughs> like like you, i could talk about paintball markers up and down because i've been doing it since 97 so i grew up with all the different technologies so i can i can give you the the breakdowns and stuff like that and it's like i've played a lot in my day so it's like just having that type of expertise and putting those kind of hours in yeah. that's where it just really comes down they, to they it. know exactly where to put the line and i mm-hmm. always like i always get jealous of that i'm like you mm-hmm. know i'm gonna learn this sometime and i just fish every year and come back with usually the same amount of fish every year. <laughs> i enjoy the the heck out of fishing though and i would not miss a day you know like if i could be out there every single day i would be right oh um, I, we we gotta plan a trip down to florida because i have a buddy of mine down there that uh used to work for Mosaic and Mosaic is a huge company. They actually do all the phosphorus. Like they make all the anhydrous, like they, okay. they, they, they mine the mineral that goes into phosphorus, stuff like that. But without this company, without this company, the world would literally go into a massive famine because really? we've destroyed our topsoil so much. We need this. There's only like six major quarries in the world. And one of them sets right down there in Florida. Now, what makes it so special is that you have to work there to get out and gain access to us because it's a, it's a hunting and fishing club and camping club. Well, it used to be. Okay. Like, because this, this company's been around since 1910, 1920s. I mean, it's been around for a hot minute ever since they discovered it because they have pits that go, well, pretty much all the way down to the water table. And then, then at, once they hit that road, then there's floods back up because there's, we're That's looking crazy. at the fish finder, there's holes that are hundreds of feet deep. That they yeah. that they've gone through, where they're able to get deep enough to extract everything, out, and then it fills back up. So the nice thing is, it, it's, what they do is it still rejuvenates the area and lands away. But what had happened is, like in the fifties and sixties, they were used to used to used to be able to hunt out there. Well, then somebody got shot, sued the company, and then oh, so man. then that, that lasts till about the seventies. And then somebody was out there camping, and somebody uh, got hurt by an alligator because there's alligators out there. They sued the company, <sighs> they won, and guess what? Then everything changed now it's strictly you can you can you have to work there you can only be out there from sun up to sundown and that's it wow because the people ruined it 
Yeah. And so, but the, what, what, it, what I'm getting at though is like, he knows how to fish. I mean, he's showing me like, I can pull a fish on my, because he took me out there. And by time from 7 a.m. to 11, him and I had probably boated at least 40 bass. Wow. Yeah. He's that good. And I think the, awesome. the biggest one I rolled in was like seven pounds. It was that's absolutely a, massive. That's a pretty big oh, bass. Boy. Dude, it's like he showed me some of his 12 pounds and his, and his biggest one, his PB, is 14 pounds. And he didn't even get that mounted. He just threw it back in the water. Wow. And I took a picture, threw it back in the water. But it's like there's there's some massive bass in there, It's which is so cool. But it's like the guy, is he, he's a history nut. And yeah. if you, you want to, it's like he he is more red pill to black pill than anybody else because like he can, he can tell you like the real reason behind the Civil War and everything like that. He, yeah. he is just... You, when he speaks, you just simply shut up because this guy is so chock full of knowledge. It's just, it's just being in his presence. You just learn so much, and you, you don't even question him because it's like he knows, he knows. And uh, it was just fun out there. But it's like you know exactly where it's like I was fishing right where he was. He yeah. caught the bigger fish. I caught the smaller fish. Every once in a while, oh yeah, dude. It's like, but I get it though. It's like, but he knows these. He knows his ponds because there, there's like I think there's like. Seven, I think there's 12 different ponds all around this area, and you can use there's no docks, so yeah. you just back your boat in there. That you have to fun. make sure you don't doesn't go too far away because usually there's there's out al, there's alligators all over the place. We on like on our last one, we when we when we finally called the quits for the day because it was just getting too hot and his back was bothering him, yeah. And so, but we were getting there, and all of a sudden, here comes this alligator up, and he was telling me, He's like, if you feed alligators, they will come up to your boat expecting something, and so it's like he said, at that point in time, that's when you need to grab an oar. Or something to hit them with because you need to make them scared of boats because oh now that opens up the uh, the uh, situation where a kid could get eaten because the same place where we launched at while we were, while we were waiting for there's another guy coming out and he had a couple of kids. Oh man! Yeah, so it's like that I, type of that type of fear. It's like you need to terrifying. instill that with those animals because most of, most of the uh, um, alligators out there are like Democrats. They they're very passive aggressive, yeah, so you don't yeah. have to really worry about too much with them. But that's the funny part about it. it's like all of a sudden you start feeding them, they just start showing up. So. Whenever you whenever you have one approach the boat, just grab something to crack it on the back of the head. If it's in season, shoot it because now you got yourself some new boots. Oh yeah, no alligator tastes really good too. Oh god, right, it's so <laughs> delicious, and it's like nothing else. And it's it actually has the highest amount of protein content per gram. I believe it. Yeah. I mean, it, it tastes better than chicken. Yes. I guess that's really all you can compare anything to nowadays. It's, it's a very but, clean meat. Yes. And it's, and yeah. it's, and, and, and it's not flaky. It, it, it actually has it, muscle and tone. It's not gamey either. Mm-mm. Like it's no. better than, do I dare say, deer? Uh, well, deer there, unless you eat the back straps. Yeah, because <laughs> you're talking you're talking comparing apples, apples and oranges. oranges. Yeah, and that yeah. right there. So, but it's 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 like really if you've had frog legs, it's the same consistency. Like oh, like yeah. that's why um Full if you all throughout the southwest when they were calling out or when they were when the settlers were moving out west, if you go along the south there and. and uh, Phoenix, New Mexico, like there's a lot of places that they had overrun with bullfrogs because they would get big and they would get fat and they were good eating. Yeah. So they, we have no idea what repercussions they did back in the 1800s, but that was a, that was a means of having food because you get out to, out towards that New Mexico Arizona border, man. There's not a lot of opportunity for food. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever been to Buzzard Billy's. Oh the cross, yeah. But oh yeah. They were just um, we Doug, go there Doug was just there last night. Oh no way. Yeah. Dead was- serious. Um, I ended up getting takeout because I've had COVID the last couple of weeks, but uh-huh. it was probably last week. I tr- um, Kayla tried alligator bites for the Ooh, first time. Oh, what'd so you think? She loved them. That's awesome. And that's always like a good thing to hear. I'm like, yay. Like, you know, 
girl trying new food and she likes it. So. Oh yeah, same but, with Alicia. Alicia didn't have never tried uh, marlin, uh, swordfish, sushi. It's like once I came into her life, it's like I wanted to introduce. Go to Manny's and just serve everything on the menu. Dude. Yeah. Well, I'd <laughs> go know? to I'd go to the co-op and because they oh, have a really yeah. good selection of food because you can get elk. It's farmer owned too, so yeah. you gotta go there. <laughs> so you can you can get your you can get your fish there. You can get elk there. You can get rabbit there and stuff like that. So like now the elk that you buy there is not from America. It's from the uh, from Australia because they can because they don't have the same okay. um, natural they don't have the same laws that we do. So they you they have can, a lot of elk prevention hunting, don't we? Yeah, we do. Well, it's, it's because well, we we because of market it, hunting after the Civil War. Yeah, is it also up in Canada though, where you can't shoot either? You, you well you you can't sell the meat to oh yeah you, okay. that's where so it's you, like deer here yeah it's just same like deer and okay. pheasant and rabbits like because you can't sell the meat but you can um I don't know if you can barter for it at all I know you can gift it but that's it yeah because it's like it's it's a, it's because we put these laws in place to because now we're technically in the good old days of hunting for turkey rabbit. And whitetail pheasant has been kind of taking a hit because there's not a lot much land in CRP land where you're in Iowa, Kansas, Minnesota, Wisconsin, because gotcha. it's like it's one of there. And then with elk, it's still growing back and such. So it's like, yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's going to we're going to slowly get there because I think Wisconsin's like, don't quote me on this, but I think it's right around 250 to the hoof. Which means is that's okay. how many are walking around, but then it's like we we won't ever know until after because we only have um, ten tags that are given out. Six go to the natives, and then Wait, the other four. You said ten. Ten tags. That's so that's it. like a bear tag. Yeah, that's harder to get. Well, uh, uh, well, pretty much isn't elk bear and, like eight eight uh, tags or something. like no, that? No, it's it's a it's a point system and how oh, that works. Okay, and that's stuff a like lottery. That. And it all yeah. depends on what unit you go in because there's some units you can you can draw twice in ten years. There's some mm-hmm. units we only get draw once in ten years. Now, if you draw an elk tag here in Wisconsin, I'm thinking is a once in a lifetime tag, kind of like with elk and um, moose in Minnesota. It's a once in a lifetime tag. But if you really want to go after moose, you got to go to Maine. Maine is actually Maine. underrated to where you actually get it because I have a friend of mine that they, it's um, Operation Reboot. It's based out of Maine, and they, like last year they bought fifty six acres, and they, what they do is they bring veterans up there, and that's all they do is they bring veterans up there, so they sponsor the hunt, and they go out there and go hunting for bear, uh, moose, and whitetail, and they go fishing and stuff like that too. But it's I had um, Kenny, uh, I can't remember his last name, but he was on the podcast and he had lost both of his legs through injuries to the military. Oh, and wow. he was depressed about that. And, and uh, he somebody heard his, his testimony, brought him up there, and it changed his entire life. And he, he, in his t- story is so powerful that he actually, um, Randy Couture, the UFC fighter, the world heavyweight, yeah. heard his story and actually helped pay for his um, surgery because he had to go down to Mexico to get his uh, legs, lower legs amputated. And so, wow. and they nobody up here in the states would touch it, or no insurance. No, he couldn't get insurance for it. So he had, they found he found a, a wonderful facility down in Mexico, took care of everything. And I think he said his bill was like sixty five or seventy grand with everything because he had to, he had to go through rehab and and stay down there and get healed up and stuff like that and kind of go through the whole process to get prosthetics. Well, Randy Couture heard a story and actually went ahead and, and gave him a large sum of money to help him with that debt. And he has now changed his whole thing. He's, he's big into into hunting, into fishing, but it's like his, his biggest thing is just getting people outdoors because he recognized that it saved his life. And, he, and if he can touch one person, his, his life is made. And he seems to be, he just has a blast. He went up, he was on bear hunting twice, hasn't shot one yet. He's gone deer hunting. He's, he's, he's shot a few deer over the years, but he just, he just, this, listening to his passion come through his voice yeah. is just, it's very intoxicating. 
Oh, that's awesome to hear. Yeah, and his podcast like, is on here too. You can go find it. It's I'll, only like forty minutes long. I have to go find him when I get the chance. Because mm-hmm. yeah, no, like honestly, going outdoors is probably the most rejuvenating thing I've ever mm-hmm. done in my life. Like honestly, every every time that I go out and like go on a hike or just go outside, mm-hmm. right? Like go touch grass is what the kids say. <laughs> just going out there and like. Just being in nature, no phone, no technology, mm-hmm. no anything, it it will change your life. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, it gives you a whole different perspective on how the world really is working because, like, yeah. we really are just animals kind of at the end of the day, <laughs> you know? And when you kind of get away from everything, it's like it, it renews that in you, mm-hmm. you know? Like, every time I go or every time I'm, like, feeling bad about, like, a work project or really bad about a crypto project in particular, I go uh-huh. outside and I just, like, maybe do two hours of hiking yeah you know, during the middle of the day because i get that luxury of not working but mm-hmm. <laughs> um <laughs> you know uh now that it's winter time it's gonna be a different uh different beast altogether. but that is so true you know it's like when i transitioned when i got my most recent promotion i took four days off before i transitioned like the week weekend before i took three i took a day off took Friday off had a three-day weekend managed to hunt two days out of that and then on uh then the weekend before, uh, before the A, so that had been uh, seven, six, five, four. I hunted three of those four days there, and it's just like coming into Monday, it felt more relaxed because it's like I was outside. It was cold outside, but it's like you know, it really helped center me because it's like it's it's the best way to do it because it's like I I try to eat right. I don't um, take SSRIs. I don't uh, drink a whole lot of alcohol. So it's like yeah. And with and then like I'm not getting the pandemic shot just because of. <laughs> the research I've done and that we, it's still unknown. And like, I do not want to be a lab rat violating the, the Nuremberg code that yeah. was established so many years ago. And I'm sorry if I cough a little bit, but I did just get over COVID. I don't know if I even talked about it on the podcast yet. Cause we had talked about it earlier at dinner, but yeah, we know I mentioned um, it, you, we have a guest on that okay, has survived so, the pandemic. Yeah. So if I'm coughing a little bit, guys, I do apologize, but, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, we. I just got over COVID, so of course I can't get the shot anymore. Like at least for eight, eight, eight or nine months or whatever yeah. they require. But um, just being through it, I really do feel like I survived it. Mm-hmm. Um, those first like four or five nights are no joke against COVID. I, yeah. I will say that. Like I know we could say it's like a pandemic and all that, and I definitely believe that. Mm-hmm. Like you know, when it comes down to locking people down for a flu, it's probably a little bit. Where yeah. I'm like, yeah, we should draw not do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, like being locked down for COVID, like definitely not worth it. But having COVID is pretty serious. I mean, I was. Oh, yeah. I, I feel like a survivor. Like, honestly, mm-hmm. I, I was. I probably had the Delta variant, the one that's going around right now. But um, I think the only I, people that get the Delta variant are the ones that actually been fully vaccinated and had the booster. I, I mean, I it's, might it's tough add, to say because, <laughs> because right now there's no testing for the PCR test to actually determine what variant you actually have. It's just it's just a, um, a fear I, campaign. I had two lab tests done, so yeah. I don't know what they sequenced back. I guess they didn't really tell me, but yeah, um, I know I uh, I tested positive like the 22nd or the 24th. Mm. I don't even like remember anymore of last month and three weeks out and I was still having kind of like that cough or like that sore throat Mm -hmm. and just uh it feels like mono like if you had that when you were like really you know in high school um you get like that kissing sickness that everybody talks about and you kind of get like mono for like three Mm -hmm. or four weeks and you just feel terrible yeah um it's kind of like that honestly Mm -hmm. and it the first like three four nights I woke up cold sweat like just drenched yeah like I was I was wrapped up in a blanket cold just absolutely wet 
from how mm-hmm. much sweat I just went through and uh, ran a fever for like three or four nights in a row. And then, yeah, like that second week, I was like, so it I sounds like the pneumonia. Because <laughs> I've heard a lot of people, it's like, it's like, it's very borderline pneumonia like symptoms. It, yeah, it's like a flu, but it's got that like, Plus, on the end of it's, it, it's 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 when you, it's the only way you know you really got the the uh, COVID is if you lose your sense of smell and sense of taste. Well, I never lost my sense of smell or taste. Oh, so you had pneumonia? <laughs> <laughs> Probably, right? Uh, but yeah, I never lost my sense of smell or taste. But things did taste differently, and that's mm-hmm. when I was like, "Oh, lordy!" <laughs> like, yeah. you know, what do I got? Um, but I was I was blowing like snot out of my nose for probably two weeks pretty solidly, like mm-hmm. just every day just going through a roll of toilet paper that oh, I, I saved up from earlier it. in the pandemic. <laughs> um, so yeah, you stockpiled. You know, yeah, I'm three years clean right now. You know, I, I think my butt's gonna be good. But it, it's uh, it, it was terrible. I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, I would not wish that on anyone. And I know, like, I understand why older people are at risk of that now. And mm-hmm. I guess earlier I was kind of just thinking oh yeah like you get like a cold and a sniffle maybe because that's what everybody was getting like last year yeah know? or or you, early 2019 too and it's like yeah it's like i'm not you, playing light on the whole thing but it's like that's what it really is because you, you it really, it's positive it, and yeah. you'd have like you'd either be asymptomatic and that was like what everybody was talking about like oh you can still test positive as an asymptomatic person but if you're not showing symptoms that you're really spreading it and it mm-hmm. was like a whole thing back in early yeah. days of the pandemic and um, yeah, I mean those PCR tests would come back positive all the time. Oh, so but like, they, yeah, you know, like, or false positive because a lot of them were exactly. Were, it's like you that's, never knew. So like the the president of Tanzania tested on a goat in a papaya, and they both came back positive. So it's like he, he recognized like this is a scam. And yeah. then, and lo and behold, he's dead. So he's no longer around. Yeah. Yeah, and then also yeah. the guy that created the, <laughs> and the guy that created the PCR test, he's dead too. How how Tim well, how can I go right now? Right, right. Like I got the beanie oh. on, I'm like Tim Cast, but right. no kid. We, we, we can literally go uh, black pill on everybody. But yeah. you know, it's we we just we just take this in stride essentially because mm-hmm. this could really shift the whole thing up. But it's like you know, we have our body can we there's there's a lot there's a lot of nutritional value out there that you can learn to help fight it. And there's people that have been able to figure out how to actually brew hydrochloroquine. And, and their own. And I'm gonna say variety. right now, I did not go that ivermectin route. Mm-hmm. I did not get uh, antibodies. I did not yeah. get the monochromal antibodies at all. Yeah. Um. I did not go like the hydro- hydrochloroquine. I was drinking a lot of citrus stuff and like mm-hmm. I had orange juice like almost every single day during that yeah. because honestly, like your throat would hurt so much. That vitamin C cold uh-huh. felt pretty good, and you could tell that the virus did not like citrus because when you mm-hmm. drink Seven Up the back of your throat would start like inflaming, right? Ooh, interesting. And I don't know if that's my taste buds telling me like, hey, you can't drink this or if that's like my body telling me I don't like what you're putting in. True, true. But it definitely did not like citrus. Mm -hmm. So yeah, when people were having those like in-home remedies for hydrochloroquine and it was like boiling the bottom of an orange peel, Mm -hmm. it's something that we tried at my house. Yeah, oh yeah, I sent you that recipe. I sent you a lot of different things. It's like like, if you don't want to get- And it helped, it helped a lot. Because there's like, a, um, I, I'm all about like looking at ways like, because Earth provides us all the ingredients to heal our body. And mm-hmm. all we do is we put chemicals in our system that's actually just going to hurting it. So like, why don't we like pay attention to it, Mother Gaia here? I'm sorry that mm-hmm. I used the word ivermectin on your podcast. <laughs> no, that's all right. I think we can now. I don't mm-hmm. think we'll get censored anymore. I don't think so. But if I get canceled, the nice thing is they'll give me publicity. And it's like, I'm all for it. It's like, thank you, Left, for hating my podcast so much. I mean, if you're trying to get canceled, you just have to talk to me for a couple more hours. <laughs> uh, but... 
Yeah, from from what I could tell, like people were taking that and were like kind of kicking it faster than a lot more other people. Mm-hmm. So next time if I get sick again, um, one of my buddies out in Hawaii was just like, dude, I'm going to send you like five in-home grapefruit that we have here, some mangoes from my backyard just because mangoes are good. Mm-hmm. And I guess grapefruit's really good against it too. Oh, nice. And then he's like, I'm going to send you some ivermectin. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's like, funny. I got the horse pace, bro. <laughs> 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 uh, it's funny just how much we joke about it. But yeah, mm-hmm. like I said, man, I was, I was hurting that first oh, couple, that first week. So I'm sorry I canceled plans. And I was no, like, no, guys, I'm like, not going anywhere. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, my... Even my whole family was like calling and they're like, oh, you should have gotten the vaccine. And I'm like, I don't think it would have prevented this. No, I, I think no, I'm just uh-uh. feeling the worst of it. And Because it's like there's a guy in Illinois that um, I've watched this thing. I've, I've told my in-laws to go check him out because he actually done um, blood tests on people that have gotten the jab. For either, whether it be Iver, uh, anything that revolves around the IMRA vaccine, whether it be Moderna and Pfizer. And he says it's yeah. like it destroys your T-count. It almost acts like it's it's AIDS in a sense. It's just very, very weird in how it attacks them and it ruins your immune system because anybody, any practitioner that's willing to speak out against the cdc will tell you that it's like vaccines will destroy your immune system it's like why would you want to do that to your immune system if you can maintain mm-hmm. it being healthy you know trying to keep yourself alkaline uh what's his name dr linus paul or whatever his name is back in the 70s he won the nobel peace prize not once but twice you don't win it twice for for, for uh, selling snake oil yeah. you talked about if you can keep your body alkaline you'll be at cancer and it's like he preaches up and down, but it's like, you know, you got to love the Rockefellers because they're the ones that came up with the the um, uh, I mean, petroleum-based keep, medicine. Keeping your body alkaline is very, very tough. Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, you have to monitor, like basically get an osmosis filter for all of your water. Yeah, Keegan, right now we have yeah, a Keegan water filter. Yeah. yeah, we have a lot of issues with our water supply. Different yeah. conversation for a different time. I'm moving my hands right now. I'm like, <laughs> that is down the road. Um, but... Yeah, you'd need like an osmosis triple filter. You'd need to kind of clear out all of that. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you can't, you know, you can't put any chemicals in your body pretty much. No, and then you need very, also, very clean. Then you also need to be eating very, very healthy. Like you need to have like the right nut, uh, you know, right amount for peanuts and right amount for pistachios. Mm-hmm. And it, keeping alkaline base is very, very tough. Yeah, um, it's definitely not available to everybody, and I think that's one thing that's kind of prevented from everybody from doing it. Right? Yeah, it's it's an economic separation of everything because it's like if you had the money, you can eat healthy. If you don't, well, then you have McDonald's. Yeah, but exactly. Like, but yeah. you can still be able to do it because I mean, my great grandparents that survived the depression, they just learned how to can and make everything that way. And that's the solution. You just got to stop relying on the government to tell you what to do. Well, you got to re- stop relying on corporations food too yeah, that's true <laughs> i mean honestly when you look at the store shelf like oh, and on top of that 90 like, percent of it's craft right mm-hmm. all of it's just craft foods mm-hmm. just things that have been on the store shelf for a little oh, while yeah. they all got preservatives they all got uh gmos that we mm-hmm. were so scared about with the scorpion dna mixing and everything <laughs> like that a couple years it's back the word the thing you got to worry about is the pesticides because I've, yeah. I've watched people like they've taken in those cure though the, they take in their fruit and dip and cleaning it in alkaline like a, like i think it's 11 percent yeah. uh, high or 11 negative 11 or alkaline and some mm-hmm. of that and it actually strips all the pesticides off of there and like if you do it in regular tap water it does not strip them clean yeah and so if you go to walmart or uh trader joe's or whole foods they're chock full of um uh pesticides because it's like well it's 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 factory farming as greatest yeah i mean i know i know a couple of monocroppers out 
in like the Iowa region, and they were basically forced to go like Monsanto-based pesticides only. Oh yeah, the guys um, that create Agent Orange and also uh, Cyclone yeah, B. And a certain type, of, yeah, napalm issue, right? Out in, no, out Cyclone B is what they used in the in the gas filled gas things. But since but since they were able to, let's stay not talk away. about that yeah, one. Right? <laughs> let's not talk about the Nuremberg trials, right? <laughs> not quite yet. Um, but what I will say, like just just having gone through this pandemic for the last two years mm-hmm. i think we're on the edge of it i think i think we've reached our tipping point as society i think the the ones that are locking down further are gonna lock down the hardest yeah and those are and, the ones that don't have they, they they purposely disarmed their people so this way they can't fight back exactly and the the 2a is like the most important amendment in the constitution for a reason it's like mm-hmm. i guess it's the second one but it's the one that protects the first one yeah but and, after listening to uh um uh, what's his charles rockefeller from 1991 he's talking about he's, he's praising wall uh, uh, the time and wall street journal and and the new york uh all those guys right there saying thank you progressing the new world order and it's like the worst part is australia's been talking about the new world order they're, they're making it slip yeah, I mean, we if you really go back and watch like George Bush senior, t- oh, uh, yeah. you know, messages like the State of the Nation, mm-hmm. yeah. um, all four 11, years he was in there, he was talking about the New World Order. Like we need to build like the new the the New World Order. Yep. He, he keeps repeating that word for word, and it's out in the open. I mean, mm-hmm. every everything that the elites are trying to plan to do, and I don't want to act like it's like elite group like you know if it's like the illuminati or something i i feel like it's just a bunch of rich people well, even david dobrik was talking about like whenever meeting his celebs because he kind of meets his celebrity status he, he, he talks to some of the hollywood ladies and then like yeah the illuminati is everywhere so it's like you can't brush under the table because there's a lot of people that do it yeah and i i wouldn't say it's the illuminati but i think it's a bunch of like kind of satanic cultists yeah i, I don't know if the that's like they... the and this is way off from fishing, so I'm sorry to all of you listening. <laughs> uh, guys, we fish a lot on the weekends. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like uh, it, it's become this whole thing with selling your soul out for money. And I think it's mm-hmm. really kind of come down to like, hey, if you put this in your song, we'll pay you more. So they like, you know, famous artists will put that in their song and they'll get paid more for that. Yeah. Right. I don't know if they're necessarily all in like the evilest interest of their own hearts. Um, All of them, at least Mm -hmm. most actors, maybe, but I mean, you're kind of looking at like an entire system. The last two years that has been preaching the same exact thing. Oh yeah. And what is that? It's all about selling yourself, selling yourself, selling your soul, selling your soul through getting a vaccine. Yeah. That has been the number one thing that every Mm. single agency, like you know, I mean, we're talking about like Hollywood, we're talking about corporate media, we're talking mm-hmm. about every type of like late night show and everything has converged on this one topic. Yeah. And the reason why we it, were able to pro- pass this propaganda was do this, the um, Smith Smith Act, no, Smith and Munford Act of Smith 19... Smith Weston no, Gun... No, it's, yeah. <laughs> there, was, there was an act they passed in 1948 to, to stop America from doing that. Well, in Obama in 2012... Uh, um, annulled it or he amended it the mm. modification of it so now that's why we have the propaganda because if you if you compare now to the coronavirus to the h1n1 virus is because that law was in effect and they recognize that in order to spread fear they need to be able to amend that and that's why we have it and so the worst thing is nobody's woken up yet to to, to realize that we need to go after this but the biggest thing is like well, we've, we've had conversations we need yeah. to reset 
And this is actually going to be a good opportunity. We're going to segue into into cryptocurrency because a lot of you folks have heard me talk about cryptocurrency on the SmackDown podcast, on this podcast too, about telling people to diversify their income. But Brady is the one that actually gives me a lot of the insight like on what to like follow and what not to follow because there's a lot of snake oil salesmen out there that really are going to try to pitch you on something. But he really kind of, he's been he's in it and, he, and he's only what, you're 24, 25 and you're retired? 25, yeah. Pretty he's much 25 and retired <laughs> based off of the last uh, Bitcoin run. But actually, why don't we start like, what is Bitcoin? Who created it? Like, let's let's start back in 2009. Yeah, 2008, 2009. So this actually comes out of uh, basically a bank in England, right? Um, when we had those problems in 2008 and 2009, when the housing market crashed, when everybody lost their income, it, it felt like the world was kind of over, right? Mm-hmm. Now we've kind of realized like 10 years later, like, yeah, we can keep pumping the economy fakely and, you know, the billionaires keep getting richer and we're kind of here at the bottom. But it kind of came out of that Occupy Wall Street movement. If you remember, mm-hmm. the kind of the intro to that was like everybody was fighting the banks in 2008 and 2009. Yes. We were very, very against the banks. They were too big to fail. We didn't want to bail them out. And what ended up happening was a certain creator, his name is Satoshi Nakamoto, completely anonymous. It might be a pseudoname, but he had created what we now refer to as digital gold or like a digital asset that can actually be tracked on every single computer in the world on the internet, right? Mm -hmm. So he had created an online form of digital currency. Now, by doing so, this was a very, very revolutionary thing. Um, You know, there are some papers back in the 1990s and like, you know, early 2000s talking about early concepts for PayPal and MasterCard and uh, Visa and Mm -hmm. how, you know, they can kind of do digital transactions very easily without having to go through a bank. And what ended up kind of forming out of this idea was that we can actually do banking bankless. We mm-hmm. can actually take the concept of banking by yourself yeah. and passing cash along to your friends and family without actually going through a third party, right? Yes. So trustless banking on the internet, right? Because it almost sounds like, like I think like MoneyGram has been around for and Western Union has been around for so long. Like they're transferring money from one person else to another. Just so it's like it's kind of almost like the the concept is is it basically loose, basically loose on or. Yeah. Loosely based. Jesus, I can't speak to you uh, folks. Sorry about that. But it's like it almost seems like yeah. we've seen a progression through this through the decades and up until that point in time. Yeah, and we we've seen this natural progression towards digital money. I mean, nowadays you kind of just whip out your credit card and you pay for something. Right? Exactly. And kind of what Bitcoin can be, or Bitcoin is currently, is a way to deflate against the economy because there is only one number of Bitcoin that will ever be in existence, that number is 21 million. Okay. There will never be more Bitcoin than 21 million. And it's verified by every single computer on a Bitcoin chain, right? On All the right. Bitcoin network. So essentially, the Satoshi Nakamoto creator coded Bitcoin to only have 21 million coins. You can't ever have more than that. There will never be more Bitcoin in existence. And he set a date for it to actually end production of, right? Okay. And that date is 2140. 
Really? So we still got a we still got a minute before it's completely done. Yes. So it it uses a mining operation, uh, mm-hmm. essentially like digging for gold in your computer, like through math, right? And I don't yeah. want to get all into that because that is like the cryptography of crypto, like crypto. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really deep into the pain when it comes down to that. That's what makes crypto so scary to a lot of people. Um, yeah. I don't want to keep it scary because it's it's essentially online cash, and mm-hmm. I think that's the one. It, it's like the first words that come out of the Bitcoin thesis statement. Mm-hmm. Online digital cash, right? Because yeah. most of us know, like, because most of us now are like the ones that have lived through the Nixon era. And then when he moves off the gold standard, it's been digital currency pretty much since that point in time because it actually yep. has no value. Yeah. Which is like, we just have, we believe that the dollar has $1 yeah. and the $50 bill is $50 bill. Exactly. And it's, it's been in fruition for a long time to get us back on like a base standard, right? Mm-hmm. Crypto could essentially be that standard because it's verifiable how much will ever be in existence. We don't know the exact amount of gold in the world, right? You can kind of guess, like we might be able to guess our oil reserves and we might be able to guess our gold reserves. Mm -hmm. But crypto, we actually can verify the number. So we actually have like a hard-coded number that will never change. Very true. And that's kind of where the digital gold aspect comes in because you can definitely hold it as a long-term asset until mm-hmm. the year 2140 before you really have to use it for anything, right? Yes. Um, it might be, uh, you know, your grandparents' kids that like get to use Bitcoin every day, <laughs> you know, buy a cup of coffee with it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, essentially... As of right now, the thesis has moved to like digital gold, right? It's a mm-hmm. rebased currency. Um, it'll it'll not be like I said, hard coded money. Yes, it's sound money, and that's all it needs to be. Um, I don't I don't want to get too much into cryptography, but like I said, it's but it's we a lot of us are get, getting just, in know, getting to know it now because it's like I've um, some of my investments have shown profit, so I've been pulling profit off of like Shiba Inu and stuff like that. And yeah. it's like before before the guy that has like the five point six trillion dollars, you know, it's like I wanted I wanted to start cashing out before that, you know, and it's like mm-hmm. there's there's multiple things to do. So it's like what would uh, like how how would cryptocurrency really affect or the blockchain really benefit the outdoor world for the DNR or for ammunition manufacturers? Like what are some of the upsides? Yeah, no, this is like where it really gets interesting. Real world application of crypto and blockchain technology is like the the one key phrase everybody kind of hears. But what you can do is you can verify where those bullets go. You can know what gun they go to. You can know who gets them. Um, and that could all be like verified back through on chain. Right? So essentially, what we do is we cre- it, we create our own registry that could bite us in the ass. It's basically a supply chain management system, <laughs> right? <laughs> now I know, like, yeah, people will be like, oh, like if the DNR has that, they'll come back for you and get your, you know, they'll know that you well, tagged a deer. Well, right? that's the thing is like with someone with that particular aspect, people that like with that aspect will keep everybody a lot more honest. I mean, well, at least at least attempt to because you yeah. can still go shoot a deer with a, a bow and arrow anytime you want. And it's like it's just planting. But it's like the biggest thing is like we we, we as um, the ones that we really support the two A keep these Remington, Winchester, Smith and Wesson, all these companies in business. If this falls on top of it, now it's like all the D- the ATF needs to do is yeah. like, oh, look, Brady Malone I, bought himself an AK forty seven. See, I get I get more worried when you introduce blockchain into centralized areas. Yeah. So this is kind of where it differentiates a lot. I don't think in the mindset of like 
government agencies are going to be running Bitcoin. I don't think that's going to happen. Okay. Um, what was more likely to happen is we are going to get different entities that are completely decentralized. So we're going to get away from the federal level. We're going to get away from the state level. It's going to be all locally done. Mm -hmm. And they're all going to have their different form of kind of on-chain, right? So yeah. like putting everything on the blockchain. But you're going to be able to verify, you know, where the money goes in the city. Um, you're going to be able to verify like where your taxes are going locally. Yeah. Uh, it's all going to be transparent as the government would want it to be, I guess. You know? Actually, it'd be more like the, the civilians because in this way, then we could see where they're blowing the money at. Like, why are we, why are we sending half a billion dollars to Iran and Iraq and, and China and stuff like that? Like, why are we sending this money over there? Exactly. You know, type thing. So this way, it kind of holds them accountable. So this way, then, well, it's like, well, Governor John DeSantis said this, X, Y, and Z. And all of a yeah. sudden, we see the money go this direction. It's like, well, you're lying, sir. Or we can, or we can track can the Clinton Foundation. Or we can, can track the Bushes. Yeah. yeah. So this way, then, it basically so, takes the smoke screen away. It's, so there's, there's, there's give and take with it, obviously. Yes, there's give and takes with it. And the, the cool thing about Bitcoin in particular is that that is not owned by an entity at all. Um, you know, like if Satoshi Nakamoto were to come back, he wouldn't own any of the of the network, right? It would mm -hmm. be verified by everybody who is just running Bitcoin. So everybody can run Bitcoin. You can open it up on your laptop and do it right now, right? You can uh -huh. you can actually see the on-chain transactions and you can just see it, you know, people sending money across the world. Yeah. It's really, really cool, really, really decentralized. But the most important thing about it is that it's censorship resistant. And by that, I mean, no one can tell you no. Nobody can Good tell point. you that you can't buy something. And this is where something like buying guns on the internet with Bitcoin, nobody can tell you that you can't do that. Mm -hmm. nobody, nobody like Visa or MasterCard or your local bank or BMO Harris or Chase or Wells Fargo can block your money from sending to somebody else. That is that is a very valid point. It keeps because I know I there's somebody I follow online that she runs a seracoding business and she's been shut down by PayPal, Venmo, and stuff like that where she can't accept payments. Like that. And I told her like, she as I she I, needs to get into crypto to, exactly. Today. And I started showing her like people that she needs to like least the, there's a jumping off point to learn from and then just continue uh, it's, nurturing, it's nurturing that curiosity. Dive, so yeah. I know I'm going to like bore your listeners, but well, this it's podcast a very, is very global. So it's like, there's going to be people in Philippines and I'm like, this actually, this, this motherfucker's got something to say. It's a very, very <laughs> important thing coming up in the future. Yeah. This, this is kind of where the tyrannical government scare could be a really real thing. If they can block the money that you spend at your bank account uh -huh. for anything, um, they've talked about it with the IRS uh, monitoring bank accounts with $600 or more in their account, mm -hmm. right? Oh, it's for the rich, right? Even though like the average person pays rent and it's $600, they get paid and it's probably $700 or $800 a week or whatever, right? Yeah. So they are not monitoring it for the rich. They're monitoring it for you and they want to know if you are buying guns or if you are buying something that they don't like. This works yep. for like even weed on a federal level. Mm -hmm. It works for guns, you know, certain types of guns or something like that in a state yeah. level. Um, it's very, very interesting to what is outlawed now to what will be outlawed in 10 years. Crypto is the way around that. It's the alternate pay line, right? Mm -hmm. So you can 
buy anything through crypto. And I know people are like, oh, like it's for drug dealers and oh, it's for, um, you know, money laundering. But you can do the exact same thing with cash. And uh, we, we watch more people do it with cash. Yeah. Way more people do it with yeah, cash. Yeah, we, we've seen with Heisenberg and buying several uh, car washes, you know? So it's right. like, there, there's, there's, we, the Hollywood tells you how to launder your money. You just got to figure it out. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know if money laundering, money laundering is just not. A, Going to go away. Yeah. Criminals break laws. Yeah. You you write laws for money laundering. People mm -hmm. do it anyways, right? Yes. Um, money laundering is probably good for the economy long term because it's not going towards taxes. So it's not going to some foreign war, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. It's probably just like going to the economy because it's probably just a bunch of billionaires with offshore bank accounts, right? Yeah. Uh, the Panama Papers, if you ever read those. Oh, yeah. That, those recently just came out here um, six weeks ago or something like that. Where they released. More? Where they yeah. Well, because they've 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 done several drops over the last five years. Mm -hmm. This most recent one was like I think it was like four or five gigs worth of material that they released. It was like six hundred some odd, um, re uh, actually respectable reporters that actually put this all together. But yeah. nobody's reading that stuff because like nobody cares. Yeah, that's the worst part about well, it. But like, what are you gonna do anyways? Nobody cares, right? At the end of the day, like the rich are gonna money launder. You know that. Yeah. Like you know they're gonna try to skirt taxes as much as they can and then leave the taxes on the middle class it's been a time it's always tale yes um, i can't even i can't even express that's why like when people say like oh bitcoin's all about money laundering and oh like cash you can do the same thing but nobody talks about that you know mm -hmm. so it is something to kind of differentiate like crypto crypto is actually harder to launder money in yeah because everything's cash. on a ledger because everything can be seen by everybody who's running the ledger. Yeah. Right? So like we were talking about transparency, mm -hmm. it's actually harder to launder money in crypto efficiently um, without mixing your Bitcoin, which we're not going to get into, but it's like a privacy thing mm -hmm. um, that some people try and usually that fails. Yeah, you usually get caught or it's, it, gets, it gets snuffed I, out by I've Interpol seen, or something. I've seen more feds catch people mixing Bitcoin than I have just sending Bitcoin around. So mm -hmm. um, it is very, very interesting though and people bring up the, like the legality issues. Well, what if, what if your favorite activity in the future is banned? What if they ban hunting because it's bad for the environment? They've been trying, but it's it's a possibility because it's like with the, uh, the Sportsman Alliance, they've been fighting with the anti-hunters left and right. I mean, that's like, kind of like with um, CWD. It's like I've had several people off topic talk about it. It's like it's just a way to create fear and why they want people hunting. Kind of like what the what um, governor, uh, what's the governor of uh, Mi Michigan? She's saying that oh, deer, yeah, their yeah. deer had COVID there too. But it's like we've been fighting COVID for decades because like I, I have friends and a family that have cattle. And they've been inoculating their animals for COVID for a long time. So it's like this this hybrid that they released to the, the human market, it's it's getting a function research. And it's like, the worst part is Fauci has been brought of it, but then we, we, we've created enough distractions with Rittenhouse that mm -hmm. nobody pays attention to it. Well, speaking of like the Rittenhouse case, what if like the state does prosecute him? All right. And then they do pass more gun legislation. All right. Let's 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 take a hypothetical here. We get a mm -hmm. lot more gun legislation from the Democrats in like the next two, three years. Uh -huh. What if they do start banning just outright firearms? Like what if they, they ban ARs? They mm -hmm. just completely ban... I'm not going to say assault weapons, but like... No, because that's not... That's not, that's that's an action. It's, it's, yeah. an, it's an armor light so rifle. Like, yeah. If they completely ban like the AR-15... 
are people not going to try to still buy those? You oh, can yeah. buy those through Bitcoin. Yeah. You know, like yeah. we can get around the governments because you know that they're going to try to like ban your bank account from buying them too. They're going to mm-hmm. be like, oh, you're buying like illegal firearms now. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to cut you from all your funding. You could technically turn Bitcoin into a good workaround for that. So that's really where it like panned out in the real world. Mm-hmm. Um, if If your favorite activities, you know, start getting outlawed, like say they, well, weed we can probably take that like i don't know if you smoke that much anymore but you know Mm -hmm. if you do and you smoke weed and they catch you buying weed um they're gonna ban your bank account right or Mm -hmm. for whatever seize your assets essentially yeah they're they're gonna try to find because whenever cash goes completely digital which it will Mm -hmm. they're gonna have complete control over everything that you buy yes you know you spend 30 dollars on a meal they're gonna know about it Right. Mm-hmm. So what's kind of important, I guess, in like the future is that you should be able to spend your money wherever you want to, whenever you want to, um, whatever you want to. Now, we can get into like the moralistic side. Like, obviously, you shouldn't be buying black markets and you shouldn't be buying like, you know, uh, hookers or something like hookers. Hey, there's a lot of there's a lot of people out there that need hookers because I've seen them because like, oh, my God, there's a lot of women, a lot of dudes out there like, oh, <laughs> you need to you need to you, this is why prostitution needs to be legal. But yeah. then, then again, it's like, the, but it's it's the oldest profession in the world. So it's like, that will be used for it anyways. And it's never been legal, right? Mm-hmm. Like in some places, yeah. But I think it really didn't become li- really illegal until like the 1600s. Because I mean, it's still pretty rampant. Yeah. It's like, but like where they actually try to try to do something about it, but they knew it was still going on. Exactly. And it, that's like the interesting thing though, right? Like you shouldn't be able to have a government telling you what you can and can't spend money on. Mm-hmm. It's regardless of what it is. Yeah. Because right. the only reason why they're trying to tell you no is they, how do we tax it? Because the the IRS essentially is the cartel or the mafia. Because they, they pretty much, if you look at the mafia, you look at look at the U.S. Look government actions, or parliament, yeah. they're the exact same entity. They're just like the only difference is they don't. They don't they'll, one they'll, of them wears suits and one of them just holds guns, right? Yeah, exactly right. And probably you, you probably negotiate better with the mafia. You probably could honestly, like they're pretty cool people. <laughs> Usually, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, as long as you, as long as you communicate with them with the, with the IRS, man, it's like you got to bring in lawyers and you spend more money. And guess what? You're in the broke anyways. Yeah. Exactly. And that that's kind of, that's just like the point of crypto. It's a way to get around that third entity telling you what you can and can't spend money on. That That's all your listeners need to know. Because mm-hmm. what if your favorite activity becomes illegal? Yeah. Are you going to still go do that activity, even though it's like not morally wrong at all, but the government still tells you it's morally wrong? I think that's where a lot where our rebellious comes through because we've seen a lot of rebellion over the last five, six hundred, seven hundred years. You know where we where we stand against tyrants is just yeah. the only things we have we have to wait until it gets worse. And I'm like people have I've, ta- I've listened to like Rich Graham and Eddie Petty and these guys are all uh, Navy SEALs or all special forces. And a lot of a lot a lot of the general consensus is like people aren't ready to have a civil war here on in the states because nobody's ready to see the bloodshed and the bodies and stuff like that so it's like yeah. we're, we're going to continue allowing our freedoms to be taken away and it's like by that point in time we've given up so much it's like then it's like we'll have to fight back or crypto just, yeah crypto, crypto is the alternative i'm not mm-hmm. even kidding when i say this i don't even look at what taxes they're bringing on crypto anymore because it won't be relevant to the u.s dollar i don't mm-hmm. think at all no, you're um, right. It's it's absolutely insane what people are building in crypto too. I mean, we can talk about like the NFT game, which is like non fungible token. Mm-hmm. Um, but artists are being able to be funded directly now without you know getting signed onto these like Sony production companies. Yeah, exactly. And it's or these three sixty deals, you know. Yeah, it, it's completely revolutionizing 
how you can directly fund people because nobody can tell you that you can't send money there. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I know you've probably heard of like Patreon and you've mm-hmm. probably heard of like Subscribestar or something along those lines. Yeah, I'm, where, I'm, t- I'm too uh, I'm too conservative. So they, they don't they don't allow me to collect my money. So exactly. And that's where something like being able to receive Bitcoin donations. Um, you just subscribe, like you skirt around that entire process. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It's like uh, something I never thought of. Please donate pot. Please donate to the podcast. <laughs> like it's amazing. Bitcoin. You can just, you don't even have to log into an account, right? You have a password. Mm-hmm. You type in your password and you can literally use that money for anywhere in the world for any purpose whatsoever. If you want to send donations over to your podcast, Bucks of America podcast, do that right now. We'll put a Bitcoin donation uh, uh-huh. link down below. And all you have to do is copy that link and put it into your wallet and send it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to sign up at all. It's, um, you know, you don't have to like give your email out. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do anything like that to use the, Bitcoin. The, they just spawned me because that'd be actually really cool because there's, there's a um, Alicia today met a guy here in local in lacrosse that actually does veteran hunts do you know how nice it would be if somebody would be able to, to donate donate ethereum or bitcoin or or sheep not sheba but like yeah uh, or solana uh, you, but something that's a stable coin where yeah. where then now we can translate that into 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 fiat currency and this way then we can bring that give a person an opportunity a veteran an opportunity to go out in the outdoors and actually go hunting or go fishing and then a good way to be able to do that because i have a buddy of mine down in iowa it's like last year kind of threw him for a loop and stuff like this, this all this year because he wants to bring veterans out to go hunting and go fishing yeah but it's like everybody is not we're not sure where the next paycheck's gonna come and like that would be an, an alternative way for him to be able to continue paying getting this because it's a very it's a not yeah. an easy process to become a uh, 501c3 process and it's like that's where he's running into the, in the funding problems because like he's had to quit jobs to try to, to quit his way to the top so this way then he can fund, yeah. they can put money away to be able to do that because it's like there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of veterans out that value the outdoors and being able to do it i think that's a fantastic way of being able to do it yeah um funding like donating honestly the crypto community too just from people that i've met through like my trading in bitcoin and everything that i've been involved with in crypto mm-hmm. Um, the people that I've met are very, very generous. And I think that's something that's going to come up in the future that we'll kind of see a shift of mentality um, for where people... Oh, shit. Just think of the Catholic Church only accepted... Uh, the, <laughs> the only people, their patrons only would, would pay them in Bitcoin. Just see how fast the, the, their pedophilia would dry up. Oh, it would be gone <laughs> instantly. It, it's nuts because like, yes... Crypto is like an anarchical thing, right? Because mm-hmm. it's completely outside of government. Um, but people are very, very anti. You know, pe- people get their wood chippers out when they hear the word pedo. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <laughs> you know, just when you he- like the amount of resources that are not just money in crypto is insane, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. So, we have a bunch of new funding because crypto has been up. Like you guys have probably just started hearing about it this year, mm-hmm. but you know, it's, it's been in existence since 2008, 2009, what I was talking about earlier. And people have been buying Bitcoin since 2008 and 2009. And it was pennies to the dollar at the time. Yes. So now that being up to $60,000 per share. Yeah. Per Bitcoin that, was it now, 68 or 70? 69. Yeah. 69. Ooh. Meme money. Um, yeah. But it's up to 60, you know, 60 K dollars now. And that's only because, I mean, obviously like inflation's in 
pumping this out forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a hard asset that people want. And the people in crypto are very, very generous because they also have a surplus of money that they don't know what to do with. Right. Mm-hmm. So this is like another thing where it comes in like money laundering and stuff. People just don't know what to do with their money. Yeah. And it's like we, we, we you and I have come along and we've actually found, surrounded ourselves with people that have, are financially educa- educated. And this is a great way to buy assets. And it's and like there's this could be a segue into staking. Do you want just do you want to just lightly touch on staking just to kind of give people an idea of what it is? Yeah. 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 I can do it very, very generally. So staking or mining both of them basically equal the same thing and you probably heard the term mining in bitcoin and staking in ethereum mm-hmm. right ethereum yes. is the second biggest crypto to bitcoin so i think it runs at about five like uh, roughly around four times smaller than bitcoin mm-hmm. but that number is growing a lot like i think we're at like three trillion dollar market cap now. Jeez. um I remember talking about this like three years ago. It was like $200 billion market cap. Wow. You know, like just tiny. And okay. I, even earlier than that, when I got into Bitcoin, like first it was like $15 billion mm-hmm. total in the entire market. Yeah. And that's like what you see it now in like Shibu Inu, right? Yes. <laughs> like dog money, things that shouldn't even matter, right? But anyways, with where was I going? We're just talking about staking and stuff like that. Just oh, kind of okay, doing a lightly yeah, yeah. touch on that. So, so. so staking and mining are essentially a 401k growth metric in Bitcoin or in oh, crypto. That's a good way to explain it. So you can build interest on your Bitcoin or your Ethereum by holding it and staking it in a wallet. Now, it's very easy to do. You actually... Once you get the wallet set up, which is probably the only hard part to crypto because you are your own bank. You have to take mm-hmm. care of your own funds. Mm-hmm. If you lose that wallet key, you're done. It's gone forever. So you have to be very, very careful about it. And I've, and it's like, I, it's best way to do it is take that because it's usually, tw- I think my... 12 to 24 words. Yeah, I think mine is 13 words. And I just put okay. it, I put in, I put put it in several books. So this way then it's like yes. that it has it in there. So this way then only I'm going to know which books they are and understand and only why they're... you own that money. Yeah, exactly. Nobody else can touch that money. Jeff. Yeah. That's the crazy part about it. You know, it's yeah, when you put it into a trust wallet. It. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I want to segue into next is how do you secure it? So this way then you don't have big overreach coming to take it. Yeah. So, so staking, once you get your wallet set up, all you have to do is press stake on it. And honestly, the money just grows by itself. Um, you know, usually it's around six or seven percent annually, mm-hmm. or I don't even know if it's annual. I guess it'd be like monthly, right? Yeah. So like six or seven percent monthly. I mean, I think that's better than what the interest rates are right now. Oh, for banks? Oh, yeah. It's it's <laughs> like it's point zero one in, in some banks. It's like talking about inflation. Like right? you could probably triple that, right? Like I mean, honestly, it's it. Crypto is not inflating; it's a deflating asset. So mm-hmm. just think about it like that. Like crypto is a set hard-coded number. Mm-hmm. So it's deflating just talking about it right now. Like, I'm sure Bitcoin... I don't know if Bitcoin's going up or down. It doesn't really matter long-term yeah. at all. I know. Um, like, for an example, I saw, like, Crypto.com, the crow. Mm-hmm. And there, there's, there's has been going up. I think today it's already seen go up, like, 30%. It's like, I saw it peak at, like, 53 cents. Yeah. And then it dropped down to 50. And it, so it's like, that's one that's been... All of a sudden, it's just been taken off the it's, last couple of days. It's like a penny stock, you know? I mean, they... Mm-hmm. That's, that's a good they point. They pump and to, dump 30 40% a day. 
Oh yes, um, very. It's not uncommon. To not see uncommon that. at all. Even Bitcoin. That's why I, it's I've like the, 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 the trend is like is to say diamond hands because you just you, the, you just you just gotta pay attention. Yeah, I mean, zoom out is what people always used to say, and if you look at like Bitcoin, it went from pennies to the dollar up to sixty k over ten years. Yeah, exactly. Um, you have to look ten years out, and you mm-hmm. have to plan ahead. But over the long term trend, crypto is going to go up. Um, yeah, and that's essentially. All you need to know, because um, more people are going to jump into the market, more people are going to see their friends making money on it and be like, oh, hey, how can I do that? And then they're going to kind of dive into it and learn a lot more. Mm-hmm. And once you kind of realize that you own your own money, like you are your own bank. Yeah. Yeah. You are your own individual bank. Um, and, you know, nobody can take that away from you. It's, it honestly comes down to fundamental rights and freedom of speech at the end of the day. Yeah, you, it's like, and and it's, it's like I, was, I was thinking about this earlier today. It's like the world is free. We just imprisoned ourselves. Exactly. And, and it's like once you, once you understand that, it's like, well, now it's like, well, how, well let's How do you maneuver this. around it? Yeah, well, actually, how do we start removing these layers yeah. of all these different laws? Because it's like it's going to take a uni- unification situation to be able to like, Hey, you guys are the evil. You guys are the mm-hmm. bad guys. It's like, for some reason we rely on you. Yeah. And I think I really found this out in like 2012. Um, How about that? CPAP stuff was what about um, taking like, like reason why yeah. we went off the gold standards because now we have inflation. So it's like now it requ- requires a type of thing like that. With, with yeah. this, it's like, a, it, like you said, it, it just kind of creates that stability that we're looking for. Yeah. The only other thing with crypto is that it's not a physical thing. So mm-hmm. people are like kind of deterred by that. Yeah, it is. It is, a, it is something tough to grasp upon. But then again, it's like what we explained cash, earlier. Cash isn't physical anymore. Exactly. Yeah. We just we. Well, I, sp- I only carry cards. Yeah. So. If you can spend it, you can use it to buy things. That's all that matters. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what it is. Um, it's a barter system 2.0. If you really want to think about it, like that's a very valid point. It like is crypto. It is. You know, you can just move money back and forth, no problem. Nobody can tell you no. Um, but yeah, so once you kind of get that wallet set up, you hit stake, you leave your money in there for 10 years, it's probably going to be higher, right? Mm -hmm. Um, depending, obviously don't buy like coins that you don't hear about often. Um, you're going to really want to stick in Bitcoin, Ethereum and Solana. Mm -hmm. And I will talk about Solana all day, every single day for the rest of my life because Mm -hmm. it uses the same algorithm as Bitcoin. Um, which means it's very, very secure, very, very, um, very very solid chain for going mm-hmm. back on history because it's called proof of history for Solana, and it's all verifiable, very very accountable, and that's something that I will swear by every day. Like Solana is mm-hmm. my top crypto, I think, and then I put Bitcoin in in there too, obviously. Yes. Um, but yeah, w- once you kind of get your money right, once you get your wallet made, you're really gonna want to take precautions on it um, for securing it. I know you were just talking about that or asking about that. So securing your wallet is probably the most important thing because obviously if you lose that, you're done. Mm-hmm. Um, I've lost Bitcoin before. I've lost probably four or five Bitcoin to the void. Never coming back. Learn my lesson hard that way. But that's what you do. And it was younger and it was like, you know, it wasn't worth as much when I lost it. So it doesn't really, <laughs> I'm not going to say it doesn't mean as much, but if I had that money now, like who knows, you know, mm-hmm. maybe it could have started a business earlier. Yeah. But um, what it is is, uh, once you get your wallet code written down or like your password, which will be a 12 word phrase for your Bitcoin wallet or for your crypto wallet, you, you secure that as safely as you can write it on a laminated piece of paper. Um, that's what I have mine in. And then I lock that in my gun safe. Nice. So, so then like you have 
actual hard wallets and then you have digital wallets. Now, mm-hmm. how does, does staking work the same on hard wallets? They, it does. Yeah. So hard wallets will actually have like a program on your computer. You just plug in your USB. Uh, that's what a hard wallet is, right? It's mm-hmm. just a USB drive that's encrypted. Um, it'll have a pin code on it. So you like, you know, it's like a phone pin code mm-hmm. and you'll type that in and your wallet will pop up on your laptop. Um, and you'll see all, all your money in there too. So it works the same way as a, as a digital wallet too. Mm-hmm. Um, if you keep a wallet on your phone, it'll be passcoded as well. So it's kind yeah. of that same aspect. And a lot of them have really stepped up their game when it comes to two-factor authentication too as well. So Yeah, I know a lot of uh, websites have gone that direction. I mm-hmm. will say that do you really own your Bitcoin if you have to two-factor it? Oh, okay. I'm a little bit hesitant on it. Um, I keep all my Bitcoin on like hard wallets or like on my computer direct you know, like uh, desktop wallets. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're like offline and they don't oh, so they're connect to anything. Yeah. You do, I know I get kind of conspiratorial or paranoid. Like somebody's going to, but nobody's going to steal your Bitcoin like through an air gap, you know, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But um, I just like to keep that more offline. So I have direct access to it. Right. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to like sign in online to a different profile and get my email out and everything like that. It's like trapped in a Faraday case. Yeah, well, I mean, what if, like, the website goes offline for a day or whatever? Mm-hmm. I can't get my money out, then, you know? It, it's just like a bank account. Like, if a bank goes down for a day or two days or mm-hmm. closed on the weekends, um, you know, you can't get your money. So it's kind of the same thing. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like my my a lot of my Bitcoin is held directly on my desktop or directly on my laptop, and it's offline so I just need like one pin code to enter. It's like, you know, just get right in and then you have your money right there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's probably the best way to do a majority of your crypto accounts. Or, you know, if you have more than one wallet. Um, and then you can kind of move money because it's so easy to move money. Um, you know, you can move like a thousand dollars in a minute. Like you could just send it directly over to somewhere else and you could buy a different coin and then send it right back and it would take a minute or two, you know, mm-hmm. t- 20 minutes maybe tops. Yeah, because I know a lot of people are talking about Solana being able to be just, it's the, the transaction fees, the transactions are far faster than Ethereum and the gas fees are cheaper. Yeah. That's a good question. Gas fees. What the fuck is gas fees? All right, so gas fees are on Ethereum and every time you send Ethereum, you need a, you need Ethereum to send Ethereum. Okay. So <laughs> essentially you are paying for like, mileage that you're using on your crypto wallet um and the best way i could think about it is that it's way too expensive and you probably shouldn't use ethereum if you can't afford it oh um, so it's it's kind of a uh, it's an upper middle class one right there, huh? <laughs> ethereum is for rich people at this point <laughs> at this point um i used to use ethereum all the time it used to be 0.0001 Ethereum, which was like two pennies to the dollar or whatever. Mm-hmm. You just send it over and you could send tens of thousands of dollars, no problem. Um, it, it has gotten to the point where like 0.001 Ethereum is like 200 or $300, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's that's the problem with Ethereum. Now it's one of those um, things where it's outpriced you. It's, but it was, it's one of those things where you, you want to work your way up to that class almost. And that, yeah, crypto, you do. I mean, maybe? you can you can do it. But, but there's 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 so many different alternatives that crypt- worked out for you. Crypto is really just about, about like fast usability. So at the end mm-hmm. of the day, you just want to be able to send money cheaply because you don't want to have to send money through like 
you know, 10 different bank accounts to get to a different country to pay somebody for mm-hmm. work that they did, their job that they did. Yeah, that's um, true. Especially and, like wire, we're like, I don't know why banks charge so much for a wire transfer. It's like, it's yeah. all digital, but you're going to charge me like 15, this where, 20, 30 bucks for it. Like, yeah, geez. this is where you're like Filipino crowd would like really like it because honestly, like the, the ability to send money across the entire globe without going through banks is going to save you a lot of money. Um, I've, I've seen bank fees of up to like $200 per bank and it'll go through like four central banks. Mm-hmm. So like you could send, you know, like $10,000 to somebody in a different country and it will end up like $9,000 over there. Mm-hmm. You know, like I've seen that happen before. So yeah, Bitcoin will eliminate that. It'll, it'll literally cut the fee, cut the middleman and mm-hmm. just send money directly to somebody if you need to pay up for anything. Um, you're, like that could go through to anything. So like, you know, paying bank fees from a company um, to like, you know, direct deposit your bank account, you could completely mitigate that and just send it directly on crypto and just give it to people, you know, right to their bank account. No middleman, you know, or directly to their wallet with no middleman. Yeah. So, so that is, that is going to be the upside right there. So yeah. I, so I, I, Ethereum gas fees, I would just stay away from. You'll mm-hmm. notice that they fluctuate quite a bit. There are times on Ethereum where you can send money pretty cheaply still. Um, but it really depends on how many people are using the network at one time. Mm-hmm. Um, crypto has not really scaled well yet. And that's kind of another issue that's probably going to be tackled down the line. I don't, I don't have the direct solution for it, but I will say with certainty that it will be fixed. Um, Solana is a great example of that. It mm-hmm. has created really small communities on top of Solana, yes, like companies on top of Solana that have been able to like cheaply send money every single day for the last two years without any any problems. You know, um, it's been like a penny transaction. Um, some of the money that I'm moving on Solana. I can move it a lot cheaply than the Ethereum. I know like $10,000 on Ethereum gets you like that $9,000 for the time you like send it from one place to another. So um, Solana, you can like pretty much keep 10,000 directly without having to move it, you know, too much. Yeah. Cause I know like with Venmo, they, they, they take a percentage of it. PayPal takes a percentage off of it. And I was it's just like, about to it, bring that up. And it's like, and it's, cheaper to go through Solana than it would be go through either one of those yeah. particular uh, programs. You know, like every every company takes a chunk out usually. So mm-hmm. like even when you get donations on YouTube, they take 30% of that. Every single donation that you get, they take 30%. Jeez, that's a lot of money over the course of, especially if you're doing uh, your I mean, high-performing you, account. You send $100 to somebody and only $70 of that is going directly to the creator that you funded. Yeah, so but now you can just turn around and like I'm gonna send you hundred dollars in Solana, and guess what? You're gonna get your that person. You're gonna get you're gonna get ninety nine point nine 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 nine, right? Like, it's uh, it's awesome that way, and that's really where crypto is gonna shine. I think in the Mm -hmm. future, it's really gonna be the creators that are gonna make a lot more money, and that's what I was also talking about earlier. Like the creative class is gonna be able to revolutionize how we think and solve problems and the painters and I, and the musicians and stuff like that you're they're gonna they're so, gonna be able to make a, a make a living yeah one of my uh one of my photography friends just started nfts uh, maybe three months ago yeah and you know he he uh he didn't really make that much money at his job but he kind of wanted to quit it and get out anyway mm-hmm. and he made twenty nine thousand dollars on his first nft 
project. So he wow. released like a stack of like, it was 10 pictures and they were taken at night and it was like a basketball court with like a light above it. It was really, really cool stuff. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he, he's a really good photographer. He, um, he's been doing it for a while, but some of the editing jobs that he did with it and that whole project alone ended up like making him around $30, 30K. Yeah. Well, you had a, you had, you had a, a NFT project that that took off for you right around the same time we went to our our fishing trip. With yeah, Dr. with Captain the, Luke's. The week before, I think was probably like the most ever made on NFTs, of course. But it was a it was like a fifty k week, like over the course of maybe five hundred or seven hundred pictures that I released, mm-hmm. um, and they were all like. The, the NFT project that I made, it was on Selena. They're called Gym Rats, right? Mm-hmm. And they're just pixelated gym bros, like holding weights in different positions. And there's like an alien and like a superhero one. And <laughs> it, it's really, I don't know. The artist that I worked with, he did it really cheap. So I was just like, yeah, let's let's make it happen. Like, let's see how much money we can make out of this. And uh, yeah, we, we made a lot of money like the first week and people were just buying them because they were like, hey, Solana NFTs. It was brand new when it, when it came out. Like, I think we were maybe the 10th project listed um, on Solana just wow. in general. So we were really, really early. Like, I was like, yeah, let's, let's make this happen. And um, yeah, it, it took off, you know, did pretty well. And now it's kind of tapered off, but people are still kind of selling them back and forth. Like I'm not, I'm making royalties on it. So like that was the next thing I rolled to is royalties of the NFTs. So that is what it would speak, would make uh, spark to, yeah. to people that want to like <laughs> buy graphics and, and turn them into hydro dips. Yeah. So I guess we didn't even say like, what is an NFT, but it's just a picture that's backed up on crypto mm-hmm. um essentially it just makes you like have ownership rights well that you, you're verified you on chain gary v's explanation of nft gary v's pretty pretty solid on he, yeah. he talked he talks to just basically it's like buying a a skin on your avatar for cod so basically what it is it's yeah a, it, it just it, it's a very simple no, term no no i mean that's that's correct. You know how much money kids are throwing at V Bucks in Fortnite, right? Mm-hmm. You take that concept and you make it so you can literally own that asset, right? Mm-hmm. So you oh, could. Oh, yeah, because it turns it into an asset. Yeah, yeah. it turns it into a, a digital asset, right? Um, so you see some companies doing this, bigger companies like Coca Cola. Yeah. They made a one of one collection of. Um, like a 3D Coca-Cola mini fridge. Okay. Right? Don't know why they did it, but they did. And one of them sold for like 100K. Right? Wow. Pretty then massive. Again, but then again, but, Coca-Cola is, uh, is very collectible all the way down to the earlier stuff. Exactly. And I know like I, I look over here on your wall and you have like a bunch of hats, right? Yep. Like you could digitalize that collection and you could have a physical copy, which would be the, the hat. The physical hat that you can put on your head. Mm-hmm. And, you know, say that's like wear and tear down or whatever. The, the hat doesn't fit anymore or whatever. You could still have that 3D asset in your wallet forever. You could just keep it. I don't know. That's, if it looks cool, yeah. you can pan it around and like you can look uh-huh. at it in a 3D view, right? Yeah. Still be kind of cool. Like I know kids probably get more into that than adults, but granted, like, you know, we were all kids at one time and remember trading like Pokemon back and forth to mm-hmm. people or something like that. Like that was my childhood growing up. You yeah, have similar, like 
similar to what we do with uh, Magic the Gathering. You know, that's 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 Yu-Gi-Oh, my way. Near Magic it. the yeah. Gathering, like, Pokemon. There's, there's a lot of cards out there within in each of those sets that are yeah. Couple tens of thousands of dollars. Now and, it just turns into a digital copy. Yeah, I don't know if it will sell as much as a physical copy. But I mean, you could back up a physical copy with a digital copy too, and you mm-hmm. could actually have the you could pass the ownership right to whoever you sell the card to. So that's another thing, and it would be backed up on chain. You could mm-hmm. verify that you, Jeff, are the owner of this this physical card. And anybody in the world could see that you were the owner of this card, right? Mm-hmm. So it'd be kind of cool. Now, you don't have to use the name Jeff. You could just use like your wallet number or whatever. Yeah. But it is a very cool thing that way. So I think it was McDonald's. They just released a McRib NFT. Okay. Yeah, I know. I know. I've, I heard that McDonald's, Burger King, and Wendy's were all releasing NFTs. Yeah. So they made a McRib NFT because like that sandwich only comes around once a year or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then they like dated it in the corner and it's like a 3D card and it shines when you look at it. And yeah, you know, it's got like the McRib picture that looks like a, you know, King, kingly silhouette behind it. Very, very like cool looking, uh, 3D art, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And 3D artists have never really been paid before NFTs. I mean, no. people would do design work for 18 hours a day and get paid like 20 bucks an hour. Or like they'll, they'll definitely change the game. Get paid 20 bucks a day, you know, yeah. and they'll make like 10 bucks a day. <laughs> yeah, because that'll definitely change the outlook on when, when, when video games look for, for new guns or new materials, stuff like that. It's like that'll definitely yeah. change. Like you almost, as a, as a 3D graphics designer, you may have to almost get an agent to, to, to do all your all your brokerage fees. Yeah, so like, oh, you you need X, Y, and Z for all this stuff right here? Because then it's once that catches on, the video game industry is going to change. Yeah, the whole video gaming industry is going to change. Um, it's bound to happen. EA has been talking about it, which is Electronic Arts. They're probably mm-hmm. the biggest. Yes. Uh, probably right now the biggest. Mm-hmm. Uh, second to maybe Epic Games, which are the creators of Fortnite. Yeah, I think, yeah, because Epic Games, so, like, they've been around for a long time. Epic Games has also talked about NFTs. Mm-hmm. They're going to embrace them. Um, it's because of the idea of owning your own digital stuff. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever seen Ready Player One before? Yes. Oh, yeah, we're, we're, we're marching to it. There's a new uh, company that I, that's uh, based out of, Japan is the only one that specializes in, in in contact lenses, and they they're having ones where now it actually has like a an LED readout readout, but it's on your eyes. But it's like, like a yeah, like a yeah. HUD, like a hood display, right? Exactly right. And they could like uh, see the weather up in the top left hand corner, and pretty cool. And, but <laughs> when you just walk down the road, but the thing is, on top of that too, is like you're also be able like let's say you're playing basketball, you're now going to be able to see that arc. Let me see here. Actually, I have that. Uh, that saved. Here it is, right here. <clears throat> this is not fake. First augmented reality. I saw this on TikTok. Just watch the clip, Put and then Mojo I'm going to explain. In the morning and throughout your Mojo day, vision. Mojo vision. Without losing focus uh-huh. on the world around you. Mojo lens is designed not to bombard you with data, but to elevate your vision by providing the information you need exactly when it's needed. All while letting you. This is cheating. When it's not in use, the technology just fades away. Oh my god, yeah. yeah. We call this concept. So, for people who are listening, you can see the shot clock like through your through your eyes. And it's not actually there, but it's very, very cool. You can yeah. see like projections of like where you could throw the ball to. Mm-hmm. Um, an AI program can Golf. actually like learn how to Archery. play all of these games yeah. through your eyes. 
Yeah, so this is basically just taking that to the next level, but it's like Mojo Vision. Google it; it's a real company. It's like I, um, I know my. Stepdad. I just imagine what like the military could do with this kind of. Yeah, Bashalom has already been working on military. <laughs> they, they, they want to create a lens that is supposed to translate into eagle vision, where it has that three X zoom. So yeah, this way they can they can, can get, see that. You can depth. get exact like shots propelling and everything too. oh yeah like the whole arc and stuff the, yeah. the whole night be able you know to do exactly all that calculation. <laughs> right. yeah because it's like when, when when you listen to snipers talk and they break down a shot when they bring in the the curvature of the earth oh, God. that will be able to be done in this thing right here and it's like I, that's the whole i used thing to behind watch it. those all the time watching like sniper training videos are like the coolest thing on the internet it's oh, yeah. up there um anyways so NFTs, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, yeah, so owning digital stuff will be a thing in the future. I mean, we're already kind of looking at it with ideas of like Ready Player One, mm-hmm. right? Like your entire world is digital. Like, yeah, you still live in the real world, but, um, you know, people's lives are shitty, so they, they want to escape it. They want to escape it, it and it's the, that's the thing that it's like, I feel that it's, it's too bad. It's going uh, the wrong direction. It's like, there's, there's like, because we, we like I said, like very like the outdoors ago, is so important, man. Yeah, because like <laughs> where we where I said is like we we're free, but we created our own prison. Yeah, and it's because of that. Because like, do you know how awesome would actually go and explore uh, Iraq or Iran or Uganda or some of these places that you, a you century just, ago you could yeah. do? Now you can't. But now you could do it in VR. But it's still not the same thing. Not yet. Yeah, so. you give it like. Fifty years will probably be at that point. Yeah, well, it was like thirty years will put me in my in my seventies. So it's like, yeah, <laughs> in my lifetime, yeah. So it's but, like you may see it a little bit younger than I will because we're we're we only have like eleven year difference, age difference. But yeah, it's like you may be able to see that. I'll see it right at the very end. Or well, look, yeah. we could be in a George Orwellian world here and stuff like that. Would be eating soil and green. This this is like so important though. It's like being outdoors now and everything. You just gotta enjoy it. Like yeah. it's because eventually it's not gonna be here. Well. It could be. Well, I mean, the thing is, is like digital world could be built entirely without hurting the earth. That is a valid point. But listen to this, though. This is this is this is the Saint Croix River that the DNR just released um, information on. But I'm gonna play this, and I'm gonna let you listen to this because this is because because this this is just just north of us. That I have to make this video for you today. Yesterday, the Minnesota Pollution Control Agency issued its draft list of new proposed impaired waters for 2022 in the St. Croix River. The entirety from Taylor's Falls all the way down to Prescott is now going to be listed as impaired for having the forever chemical PFOS in the water and in the fish. The history of this chemical is that it was used to manufacture Scotchgard firefighting foam and stick coating for pans. And 3M disposed of the chemical waste into landfills in Oakdale, Woodbury, and Cottage Grove that during the 50s, good, 60s, huh? and 70s. It soaked down into the ground, got into the groundwater, has been gradually spreading throughout the East Metro area since. Millions of dollars have been spent to provide a clean, safe source of drinking water for East Metro area residents. And now, because the groundwater travels, it has eventually made its way to the St. Croix River. Already, the Minnesota Department of Health has said that it is unsafe to eat any fish caught in Lake Elmo due to elevated levels of PFOS in the fish tissue. But now they will be adding an additional nine lakes. So there will now be 26 lakes and streams in the state of Minnesota where there are fish consumption advisories because of the forever chemical PFOS in the fish. Wow. 
So yeah, so we what this is basically just telling us we are poisoning our own earth, and it's like that's the biggest thing. And like 3M has tried to throw millions of dollars at this to try to fix it, but that's just north. That's 26 lakes yeah. that will all eventually get to the Mississippi. And the Mississippi distributes all across the the, mis- the Midwest here. So it's like we're gonna poison ourselves from the inside out. And like uh, you're aware of French Island here in Wisconsin, yeah. their drinking water is completely t- contaminated with guess what? The exact same stuff. Man. Yeah. And like, remember I was telling you about <laughs> Mosaic? Without yeah. that chemical, Man. that phosphorus that they produce, the entire world would go through in such a famine. So it's like, if they wanted to shut down food production, that's the way to do it. And you'd see our our 9 billion people just starve to death. So it's like, now it's like, what you, and it's like so that, uh, was it robots or death, love, and robots? There yeah. is in season two, no, season one, I think it's like... I don't think I've ever watched it. It's on Netflix. But basically what it is, is like robots take a tour of Earth and they talk about how they poisoned themselves. And and the thing is, art mimitates, mimitates life, mimics life. So it's like, that's telling us the future of our planet. Yeah. And that's the scariest part about it. I mean, yes. So... <laughs> We could have a lot of environmental disasters soon. And I know we've always kind of conquered those. So I feel oh, like usually we always have some major reset event. You I mean, that's why yeah. we don't remember how the, the pyramids were built with the Giza, uh, the pyramids of Giza I don't being know built. I'm talking yeah. about that. Do yeah, you think... but it's like there's all, but those those generations that learn how to build those things are yeah. all dead. So it's like we, we every civilization reaches a peak and then it just crashes. Yeah. I mean, if we had to actually guesstimate like a peak number, I would put it in like the early 2000s, probably 1999 to be specific. (laughs) Uh, It it was before my time. Well, I was alive, but like really young. Mm -hmm. Um, If I had to guess, like if we really did peak out as a civilization there, we would see a lot worse stuff happening now. And I don't think we have quite. It's it's going to, we're going to get there. You know, it's like a. Or it's going to be really gradually and then suddenly, right? Like a bankruptcy. (laughs) It's going to be really gradual and then suddenly. The thing is, like, I've been paying attention to La Palma because that that started erupting right around September 8th, 9th. And that's one that white girl got abducted and it kind of distracted everybody from it. And it hasn't stopped erupting. The I hate island to has ask, risen ten it, centimeters. Yeah, is that the one that's like in The Simpsons? Yeah. Oh, I don't know if it's in The Simpsons. Yeah, because sure they did it. Yeah, because well, The Simpsons is like there. The scene is is where Homer and Bart are in there, and they have a canary, and then they release it from Mister Burns' office. First flies out, turns around, comes back, flies back to the globe, spins it, points at La Palma, and takes off. Hmm. Now the the, the the forecasting is that this acts if, if the volcano continues to as it does and we have the right earthquake that shifts that island down. Yeah, is that the one that crater. half falls into the ocean and, yes, then, and it I guess causes a tsunami that eventually hits the east coast? Yeah, and destroys it. It will kill roughly like 45, 50 million people. Roughly. And, it, and it's like the thing is too, it's like if they're showing forecasting that the Hudson Bay and up to that river and that going in, they'll actually affect the Great Lakes. So they'll affect um, Chicago and and also Milwaukee and anything yeah. along that board. Then in the, then in the Gulf, they'll say it'll go up the, the, the uh, Partially the Mississippi, Mississippi Delta. Yeah. I, I'm not sure if it'll get up to Arkansas, but yeah, it's like if it, if this does happen, please to God, it doesn't hope it doesn't happen, but it will do a massive amount of damage. Cause I mean, that tsunami that hit, that hit, um, that did, that did some damage to, uh, Japan that Fukushima. had Fukushima stuff like that had a, your, uh, your, your, reversible effects because that nuclear um, site is still constantly leaking um, waste yeah. into it. And Isn't also the Philippines, wild. 
their their way that they're mining up all this titanium and this copper stuff like they're dumping all that byproduct into the ocean so they're basically poisoning their own thing for our cell phones yeah hey we need cell phones <laughs> right so it's like i guess we it's, because it's like here in america we do a really really good job about being green it's everybody yeah. else well we just outsource all of our work right That's if we were doing everything did. here like we'd be probably polluting quite a bit too oh it would be it would be not far as much worse. so i mean we have a lot of land here mm-hmm. that's just kind of open and free like it's kind of weird when you drive out further west you forget how big the country oh, is. oh yeah it's beautiful it's amazing and i i'm happy that we're eco-friendly here um you know like all of my anarcho-capitalism society aside uh, eco-friendliness is probably like the only thing that I'm okay with the government trying to like actually send and fund, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if if we had a tax system that was voluntary, most of my taxes would go into the nature pre- preservation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm happy that we do have a good ecosystem here, but I know it's getting worse. Um, just oh, from yeah. that video alone, so. it's it's quite uh, intimidating what what we're going to expect, and it's like I don't know if it's going to happen in my lifetime or it's going to happen in your or pretty much our lifetime, but it's like it's going to happen in my grand in my yeah. daughter's lifetime, my grandkids' life. If if she if that's if that's if she gets the 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 shot and she ended up becoming sterile or something, but now we're starting to see after like just days after they approved the shot, they're they're seeing 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, all up to twenty five year olds that are playing top athletes dying on the court. Dying on the tennis court, dying yeah. in the field, just, just just tipping over dead. I know. And so know. that's the worst part. I, or, I uh, even today, uh, and this could be an effect of long COVID too. Mm-hmm. We don't know, like we don't know the long term effects. But even today, when I was like lifting, this was my first day back in the gym um, after like a three week COVID spell, and uh, my heart was racing pretty hard, man. Mm-hmm. Like I, I felt it; it was jumping a little bit. And that's yeah. something that never used, like never has happened to me before. Uh-huh. So it could be a long COVID effect too. Could just be, hey, you got COVID. Maybe mm-hmm. five years from now, we all have heart attacks. Yeah, that's, that's the thing is like there's pe- people out there that are bending to the need of the fear that are actually purposely injecting it because like I'd rather fight. I'd rather fight <laughs> the thing. I'd rather <laughs> fight thing. it naturally than be injected um, with it. This is the thing too. Like it's a mimicked protein. I don't want to get too much into it, but it's a mimicked spike protein right mm-hmm. so it's not the actual disease but it's pretty similar pretty close to the actual disease and you're introducing an unnecessary agent into your body that technically doesn't need to be there because if you get sick you're going to get sick anyway and from what we're finding out like it doesn't prevent transmission so we can knock that out of the board mm-hmm. um, you might you might have an adverse re- reaction check that on the list because that's pretty bad too you could have a long term reaction from covid too Mm -hmm. but do you take the chance with the shot or do you just get sick and i I just got sick 50 50 you know it's i mean it's like you never it's literally russian roulette with your life it's really another thing too is that you never know how bad of a case of covid you're gonna have you could get sick from covid you could have it for a day kick it and just have Mm -hmm. like a cold or whatever yeah some people don't even get sick so it's like you just have to Weigh your own odds. I guess talk to your own doctor and see what they recommend. Yeah. The only thing is, it's like you have, you have to be like, um, was it what's it, uh, Aaron Aaron Rodgers? You have to have the money to actually speak to people that actually like will tell you not to get it because he didn't get it. He didn't want to get the vaccine because he went through a different method of doing it. He's and it's like the thing is, is like he's gonna be able to beat it because it's like, like I said, it's an economic stance. He's a, st- a top tier athlete too. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think we're talking to the general populace no, like uh, that. But it comes down to money. That it all comes because like you you can. Like, uh, Magic Johnson yeah. had 
HIV or um, HIV, and all of a sudden, poof, he yeah. doesn't. All, right. Call comes down to money. It all comes down to money. That's yeah, it's it's not a it a racial divide. It's an economic divide, and that's where people don't get it. And that's where cryptocurrency can allow to balance out that field. Oh, it completely eliminates. I mean. This is like the the weirdest thing to me is that people think that even like people in crypto are like racist or something because it over majority is like oh no sexism is a really big thing in crypto really because <laughs> there's not that many women in crypto um, and that happens same thing with video games happening in doctors and and all that it, fun stuff it's, it's a big like, deal yeah well, I'm sure it is it was a big deal when it, I was in when I was in video games because there wasn't enough women no, but then it, again it's like a lot of it's like it's ta- basically talking shop and it's like you gotta you gotta have a thick skin the ethos of crypto is that it does not discriminate no the, that's it, the best part money does not discriminate and it's a well banks can though right banks oh, can true. be like they see a name that doesn't sound white and they can be like we're not gonna, <laughs> we're gonna deny you a loan you know, they're more likely to look into your credit history or whatever. You know, like crypto, li- crypto li- completely eliminates that. That's true. When, when you sign up for your crypto wallet, you're not putting in any information about yourself, not sex, not gender, not ethnicity, not religious exempt, like I everything. I never did understand why I need to put my, my ethnicity and belief stuff on there. statements or anything. Yeah, it's like, yeah. It's, it's unvalid. It's unsubstantiated. But banks always ask for it. Yeah. Why? I don't know. It's just it's just stats and figures stuff like that. So that's why they need to create a marketing ploy. Then there you go. But I mean, crypto has basically foregone the entire PR campaign by mm-hmm. just having it open. It it can just be naturally diverse, and it will be. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, the the guy that I was talking about who does photos now and like made thirty k on his NFTs, right? Like he's he's a uh, like African American guy, right? That's awesome. And. He's doing amazing. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with race. I don't know why people ever, ever bring that up. And yeah. I think it's just, it's buffoonery. I've, I don't know. I, I don't know where that ever came up. But I, think I know it's just, maybe it's just in the, the way 50s of the, or something. It's just but. a way of division. Because I know, like, if you listen to the like the, the ones that actually lived during the Martin Luther King, they'll tell you about, like, the government was scared shitless because they were able to rally so many millions of people. And yeah. then look what happened. They, they figured out a way to destroy the nuclear family. on bolt. It doesn't matter what race you are. It managed to figure out how to destroy whether you're white, black, Asian, Hispanic. They figured out a way to destroy the entire thing because, like, we no longer value marriage. And it's like monogamy is like having sex with one person at that one time. Yeah. It's just it's very destructive yeah and it may have become more of like a moralistic thing but we can get into that further down the road too um <laughs> i don't know what hour we're on right now but we're we're, we're approaching the two hour mark we're oh. at an, we're at an hour and 48 minutes south that's not too bad no it really, it really isn't when, when it comes down to crypto and like how versatile it really is and we touched base on different topics that are going to affect the entire ecosystem of Money. Yeah, money, money too. Yeah, because everything I mean, everything trickles down to money. Everything is money is the tool that everybody seems to operate around at the current moment. Yes, I don't know if it will remain that way. I'm not really leaning that direction. I really mm-hmm. think it'll come down to, um, I mean, really just revolutionary ideas. For yeah, being, or or going back to ninety before the industrial revolution because there's a lot of homesteading coming back out there. Like there's people out there teaching how to live off grid and developing all that stuff. And it's like you and I have talked about. This. I have talked about this so much to you. Oh, yeah, we're gonna build a compound. Yeah, you're moving in with me. Yeah, because well, there's there's. <laughs> I'm like, gonna move like 15 people. It's gonna be a couple couples or whatever. You know. Yeah, because it's like, like the nice thing is you, you're able to you can be able to create that that commune stuff like that. It's like the biggest thing is is like. 
like is not bringing sex in the mix. Yeah. That's what all these communes always failed around that, because there's always a, a narcissist. It's the polygamy stuff. Yeah. I mean, I might be okay with having like eight wives. Don't tell Kayla, right? But <laughs> <laughs> he's okay with it. Mm. Anyways, um, yeah, no, it, it definitely comes down to it's community at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. But what it is, is like having a good community that everybody wants to go do something successful too. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a really important aspect. Some people will like, you know, leech off of other people if you invite the wrong people to your compound mm-hmm. or whatever to your yeah. like community. Yeah, because so. it's like I was talking to a friend of mine, and it's like, like let's say the world collapses, and it's like in the beginning you're gonna want to look at people that can hunt, gather, plant, mm-hmm. um, be an alchemist that knows how to work with plants, stuff like that, how to create medicines, and then also have somebody that's a that's trained in medicine. So this way then they can address certain issues and you build your core group around that type of focus there. Like in the beginning, a mechanic will be great because the gasoline will still be good, but it's gasoline only has a shelf life of six to eight months. Diesel, yeah. maybe 12 months, but it's like that, but that's really, that's where our ingenuity comes into play. It's like, how do we cre- create um, engines running off of water? Like that one guy did back in 91 before yeah. they poisoned him. Right. Or, yeah, hydrogen engines will come yeah, out. Yeah, because it's know. like we, if we instead of trying to focus on these EV, these electronic vehicles, why don't we create out of water? But then again, it's like it puts OPEC out of the water out of the way. But it's like yeah. if we really wanted to make everything electrical, we could have like electrical vehicles have been made since the 1840s, mm-hmm. and just like some version of it. And then when um, Nikola Tesla came in, he would be able to power all the vehicles based off of that. It was almost like it was, seemed like it was designed for that. But then oh, then then the yeah. wrong people got in the way. And that's kind of what happens with a lot of things. Um, I'm not going to blame it all on capital industry because honestly, capitalism has brought so much innovation. Brings innovation, yeah, exactly. And crypto is an exact form of capitalism. Mm -hmm. It allows you know censorship payments, right? So Mm -hmm. or censorship list payments. So honestly, it comes down to just the ideas being broadly expressed, and then people can either latch onto them or say that they're bad. Mm -hmm. Um, And it really comes down to like podcasts like these at the end of the day you know where you can just talk about anything Mm -hmm. and you never know what idea is going to stick in somebody else's head that they're going to manifest into like reality right yeah and you know it could be anything it could be from any industry um you know like having people for the end of the world if if that does happen you know have a military trained expert and Mm -hmm. probably have a couple other survivalists you know yeah um have good camping gear and make sure that you're prepped a little ways too but Um, you know, if, if the internet goes down, like Bitcoin's gone. So yeah, so that's the and it's like that we could we could talk a, about the World Economic Forum and about their their forecast cyber bl- uh, blackouts. But it's like Bitcoin's a really a good of, heads though. I will say that because yeah. even if like you're either bet that the internet stays up forever, which internet is decentralized. It's not all in one spot. Mm-hmm. It's pretty hard to take down. Like even if they unless if the power grid goes down across like a very, very large area that the internet's still going to maintain, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, Bitcoin's like a good hedge against like betting that the internet will end up coming up with these bigger solutions mm-hmm. um, because it could. I mean, even if like the power grid goes off for a couple months and then the internet comes back out and people are like, <laughs> oh, hey, like we can talk again, you know? I tell you what, though, if the world came to an obby, try to be getting to the Pentagon and try to get uh, those uh, Nef- Nikola Tesla papers and all of his engineering and find people that can like, let's do this. But then if it's, yeah. just, it's just trying to get through the chaos to get there because yeah. there's gonna it's going to be anarchy again. But then again, there's, then again, it's like there could be people that will be have that... There's, there's going to be themselves. There's going to be really strong anarchists, man. 
This oh, would yeah. be people that are like in that hippie commune already. They're already kind of practicing that. They're going to be ready, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just um, maybe find those groups and just get to know them and, you know, be better with them or whatever, farm with them or whatever. But mm-hmm. those people will be ready for the end of the world and, like, the rest of the world isn't ready. So, like, don't fret too much. I mean, yeah. if it all really, like, say we do have a supply chain crisis and everybody starts dying from the poke and everyone, like, everything bad starts happening all at once, keep a level head because, yeah. honestly, like, you're you're either long-term betting that everything's going to be fine and you can like keep your money in bitcoin it's going to keep going up 10 years from now 20 years from now 30 years from now the Mm -hmm. money that you keep in your bank account is going to keep going up and it's going to go you know yeah i don't know you either bet on the ponzi (laughs) that the entire world's (laughs) going to keep just ponzi keep getting better you know Mm -hmm. or or you do just take prepping for the alternative like bitcoin and bullets bitcoin and bullets bitcoin Mm -hmm. bullion and bullets and yeah. I don't know if the bullion will even be that important. Yeah. I mean, if you get a lot of iron, you can melt those down and make bolt casings, and mm-hmm. that might yeah. be important. I was always but, wondering, like, because we, because uh, Bitcoin has has been able to establish itself as its its own self entity. Is there is there like like Bitcoin is like our gold? Is there a silver and is there a bronze that compete compete with it that are self regulated where you don't have to have a team? Like I, I don't. It's like I'm just kind of spitballing here. But is yeah. there something else out there that may not necessarily create a competition with, with Bitcoin, but add to the collateral of the crypto market? Yeah, um, I would put like Ethereum and like the bronze category probably. Okay. Um, you know, it's like it's a useful currency technically because a lot of people build on top of it. Like mm-hmm. if you go to like the dev, the developer forums. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a bunch of people like adding lines of code to Ethereum almost every day, right? Yeah. And they're just like, hey, you can like stake this way now, or hey, you can like fund this account doing this. And it's, you know, a bunch of different ways to do mm-hmm. that. Um, that's when you kind of get into crypto and DeFi, like the decentralized finance space. Mm-hmm. Um, and the silver, I guess, to Bitcoin would be oh, man, probably Monero. It would be a privacy coin, right? Okay. That's kind of where you get more into like the money laundering idea, but we we already kind of covered that, right? Mm-hmm. Privacy coins would be something similar to Bitcoin, but they are completely anonymous. So like you, oh. you don't know who's sending money, but you know how much it's being sent, if that makes any sense. I get it. I get what you're saying. So, so it still keeps the person autonomous and also the, the receiver. The receiver and the sender will mm-hmm. both be entirely unknown, but the amounts can be traced, right? So you you still know how much money is being moved. You just don't know where it's being moved to. Um, and that's an interesting co- concept even in crypto. It hasn't really been fully discussed, but um, when it comes down to privacy and the Fourth Amendment in particular, um, if you don't want the government knowing where you even spend your crypto, that could be like another step forward. You can kind of take into that realm. See, that's like that's where I almost, that's where like for me personally, that's where I like to see the development to go into DeFi to get, pretty much get rid of the the stranglehold of that uh, entity. Yeah, the, the basically not letting the government or anybody else know what you're doing with your money, right? Mm-hmm. That's what that's, that's what, what we all want. Yeah, that's pretty much what we all want. Um, we are definitely dipping that direction. Uh, the more that I see, especially like taxes come up in crypto, mm-hmm. the more I see developers saying like, we don't have to worry about this because we're probably going to skirt this entire thing anyway. Yeah. 
Um, I know people can be like, oh, that's like unlawful. And there are a bunch of dark coders who like are just trying to get away from laws. But the laws that we're writing right now for crypto are so minute and so detailed to the extent that they won't allow crypto to grow. And since crypto is so young, like it's so early in its infancy, I, I still believe that even though you're not really late to Bitcoin yet, no, you know, really, like it's we're not. still really early. Um, you may see the price of Bitcoin go up to like 400K and you would probably still be early in crypto. Uh huh. You know, it can hit a million dollars per. You're probably still early. Yeah, because it's like if you put it in like a, a schema, like I'm just using a one to 100, it's like right now crypto is at that one to two year range on that grand scheme because it's like, yeah, we're still in development of everything. Um, it is so early. So, like when they draft these really, really fast crypto laws that they don't even like read and they just like, oh yeah, like this is going to help. It's not going to help. Mm-hmm. So a lot of, a lot of people are just completely diverting them, kind of not paying attention to them because they're just growing their own business. They're, it, it, there's so much innovation in crypto, like in particular in the money space and like mm-hmm. the finance space. Yeah. People are just making that happen. And I think they're just going to blow whatever the government says out of the water because mm-hmm. of how much innovation they're bringing. It's just going to be so overwhelming that you can't really stop it. That's a good point. I and think, you can't stop it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's funny because you can send Bitcoin anywhere in the world and nobody can tell you no. Yeah, so it really true. does just come down to you can't tell people to stop working on something. It, it's literally like um, the wild, wild west of the internet right now. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and no matter what they grow on it. Now, I know people can talk about like, oh, what's the difference between like a regular internet website and like a crypto website? Well, the crypto website aspect, you can connect your own wallet to it. And only you have access to like your own fund on there, right? Yeah. And only you can control what's going on on that website. And it it changes, I guess, how you interact with the internet as a whole. So mm-hmm. crypto developers do not give a single flying F about what the government's telling them, what they can and can't do. Because the innovation is so early, you know, mm-hmm. they're just trying to grow. Like they're just trying to make innovation happen. And they know yeah. that innovation can only happen if people don't limit it or mitigate it, you know, hundred percent. And that's been true for every industry across all time frames, mm-hmm. Right. So you kind of just, it's good that people in crypto have that mentality of just like, we're going to make people's lives easier by making money easier for mm-hmm. people. And that's, yeah. That's where it comes down to. It's 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 like you said. It's like it it can bring somebody out of poverty into a middle class, and then eventually getting to that point, it's just making sacrificing. And I think on this note right here, what's a good place to end it because we talked a lot of good stuff about a lot. (laughs) But the bottom line is, is make sure you pay your taxes because it's like you do not want the cartel knocking it or the mafia knocking (laughs) at your door. That is very very important. Pay your taxes, and honestly, like. Paying taxes is really not, it's better than being in jail. It's <laughs> better than being in prison. But that's a, that, that is a true sign of success is paying taxes. But then again, you, once you get to a certain income level, then that's where you figure out how to not pay taxes. Well, you only pay taxes because you don't want to end up in jail. So. Yeah, that's, that's basically about keeping it to get out of jail free card. No. Yeah. Once the government kind of loses that coercion over us, I think we'll, I think we'll see a lot of more innovation in everywhere. Excellent. Well, but, 
Thank you, Brady, for coming on this podcast, man. This is two hours. It's been a while since I've done a, a two-hour deep dive into yeah, such I'm a powerful sorry that topic. We went too long. Oh, that's all right, man. It's 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 that's the that's the point of long form <laughs> conversation is yeah. is to, is this and it's just the only difference is we have a mic in front of our mouth. Yeah. No, for real. I, I feel like I just talked to you for two hours. Yeah, exactly. It's that's the way that uh, to <laughs> get it. to this point in time in in my career as a podcast because I, everybody looks up to Joe Rogan because it's like he turns his podcast into a conversation, not an interview. And it's and it's it takes a a host a long time and a lot of trial and error to get to that point to be able to do it and just. Rogan's got that that down, and so it's like a lot of us podcasters, and you you Twitch, you live stream, you podcast, oh, yeah, too, you get it. It's like it takes a while to develop the linguistics to stop saying ums and uhs and whatever. And like I, I everybody, still do it. I still do it too. <laughs> I, it's like I am just an idiot savant that uh, knows well, how to talk. Usually thinking, you know, I'm like I don't want to, I don't want to <laughs> say something dumb, you know. <laughs> well, that's so true. All right, thank you, Brady. I appreciate yeah. you coming on, and I'm happy I could be the first person in your studio. Because it's pretty dope. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much, man.